0: oh welcome to el Fumar takes this is our 174th take live from the alec bradley lone star studio of euless texas i'm your host Barry Duplissy, as always and i'm so proud so pleased and so privileged to be with you all tonight this is going to be a fantastic show it comes in pints we're all excited you should be too i've got two gentlemen that are just raring to go on tonight's subject it is a story of the ages it is a show for the ages Am I overplaying it? Well, it wouldn't be a take if I wasn't it. So, but without before introductions, we do have to thank the people that make this show possible. That, of course, is our sponsors. Tonight's show is sponsored by Drew Estate. This year marks the, speaking of anniversaries, this year marks the 25th anniversary of Drew Estate and the rebirth of the cigars movement. To celebrate this momentous occasion, the company is inviting you, the consumers, retailers, and cigar media alike to its epic blowout birthday bash entitled DE25. DE25 will be held on September 25th at the South Fork Ranch in Parker, Texas. That's just a stone's throw away from where myself and one of my guests reside today. The DE25 Celebrate will include the unveiling of Drew Estate's newest brands with a first-to-experience approach to for consumers and trade partners together. Buy your tickets today at drewestate.com DE25. That's drewestate.com slash DE25. And welcome, everyone. Without further ado, we are celebrating something very special tonight. It's my pleasure to welcome in my two guests, sponsored by United Cigars. Smoke one today. Start living United. Mr. Sam Spencer and Trip Waldrip, gentlemen. How are we doing tonight? Fantastic.
1: I'm oh, doing great. Very excited for the show.
0: Well, I am excited as well, gentlemen. I am excited as well. But just remember, just because this is going to be fun, we have to remember the serious nature of tonight's show because one does not simply walk into Mordor. Its black gates are guarded by more than just orcs. There is evil there that does not sleep and the great eye is ever watchful. It is a barren wasteland riddled with fire and ash and dust. The very air you breathe is a poisonous fume. Not with 10,000 men could you do this it is folly welcome gentlemen welcome it is the 25th and or 20th anniversary of lord of the rings fellowship of the rings uh fellowship of the ring i am so excited for tonight's show we are doing it what's all about uh all you token Tolkien. what i don't even know what they're called tolkien freaks out there this is it's this is a show for you guys so um uh gentlemen um we have to uh, we have to get started with tonight's show, and we do have a special thing that we're going to talk about in just a second. But I kind of want to I want to flip the script here. I want to talk about initial experiences with this film because I mean, twenty years ago, twenty years ago, and 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 looking back, can you believe that this film is twenty years old? Let's put it let's let's pose that cannot. question.
1: It's uh, I I'm like I'm I feel like I'm having a midnight a midlife crisis right this moment. Like it just started five minutes ago.
0: Uh, and that's how I feel You're going to go out and buy a sports card now or what? Yeah <laughs> Or or, uh, or you know You're going to go out and buy like pieces of set From the film That's something that's, like that like, that's a mid-life I, crisis.
1: I just feel like my, uh, my imminent
0: mortality Like hit me immediately When you said 20 years It's nuts right? It's crazy Like um I mean I remember watching this in the theater Which we'll go into in just a second But um, I mean, it was, a, it was an experience like, like no other, but I mean, I mean, did you watch, did you watch the scene, the theater trip? I saw it three times when I was 17. That's like, a,
1: that's like an entire day of watching movies, like split up over the course of a couple of weeks, but that's like 12 hours almost.
0: It's, that's pretty insane. Like yeah, three times that, I mean, there are a few movies that I went and saw multiple times in the movie theater. Um, this wasn't one, but this set of, this was very special to me in terms of like theater going, like I said, I'll get into it in a second, but, um, for our next guest, Sam, uh, S- Sam Spencer, McAuliffe cigars, uh, S- Sam we do this to you a couple of times tonight, just like we did last time we had you on talking about films. But I mean, I just think, I just think it's absolutely transcendent how the last films that we've talked about gladiator being a few months ago and then Lord of the Rings now, um, but how much it's transcended time because uh, you were four years old when this movie came out.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it's not like I went to the theaters and saw a PG-13 movie and I was four. I was much older than that, but I feel like I just grew up with this movie.
0: How old were you when you first saw it? Do you, I mean, if, if you can I mean. recall, yeah. uh
1: uh-huh. That is a great question. I do remember that the first Lord of the Rings movie I saw was The Two Towers. I saw that before Fellowship because that's just what was shown to me as a child. Because when you're a kid, it doesn't matter. You don't have to watch movies in order when you're a kid. It doesn't, you don't care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Enter, enter Star
0: Wars. Yeah. Totally fine.
1: Oh, exactly. But, you know, I was like blown away by well, what all was happening. Like I'd never seen anything like it before. And then I went back and I was like, well, I want to know what. What's actually going on? Because this doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And I, the Fellowship just sets the stage for what, in my my opinion, is two unbelievable movies: and Two Towers and Return of the King.
0: So, did you see them in that order? Two Towers, Fellowship, and then Return of the King? Yes. Okay. Okay. That's uh, they um. <laughs> I, I, I saw them actually in order, um, but I was like, I was really late to the, the Lord of the Rings party. And I'll explain why, because when I first saw this, this had been in the theaters for a while. And I actually went to the dollar theater to watch this, but nevertheless um, the dollar theater, Sam was something that also uh, old, old people would like, we would wait for movies to be out for a while because there weren't DVDs yet. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and we would go and watch the the movies after they'd been out for a while but, for like cheap.
1: To be fair. This movie must had to be like the tail end of dollar theaters, like right around yeah. the time this movie came out is when I never saw a dollar theater again, uh, because uh, d- DVDs were pretty prevalent at this point. Uh, In the VHS much. age, it was very different than the DVD
0: age. Well, yeah, because what we're, what we'll talk about is the fact how uh, the three of us kind of prep for this show. The, the mm-hmm. version of this movie that we watched was, I mean, that's that was the big thing back then. Was the was when the DVD got released, um, yeah. but yeah, I went and saw this in the Dollar Theater, and went and saw it with uh, my sister, uh, my older sister uh, Reagan, who I hopefully she's watching. She said she would, but that's okay if she's not, that's fine too. She can catch this on the replay. But um, you know, she introduced me to this to this film, and she introduced me kind of to this world, and that became our tradition. You know, for the next three years, we went and saw the Lord of the Rings film that got released. Uh, each holiday, I believe, is about the holiday season, right? And then when The Hobbit came out, we did the same thing. And even in between those two series, we would always find something to go to almost try to almost every holiday season while we lived virtually, you know, somewhat in the same region and everything like that. It was a great tradition, great tradition. Um, but so, I so, gentlemen, what I would like to do tonight is I would like to dedicate this show in honor of my older sister, who is a artist uh in her own right uh sh- now she's uh, she's not a sculptor she's not a painter or anything like that but uh she does work in the world of art she actually works for the whitney museum of modern art in new york city Whoa. uh yeah and she used to work for the dallas museum of art used to work for the met in new york as well um, uh, how i'm related to her we we're still trying to figure that one out um, ancestry.com is going to get back to us um, but um the the world of art is what's something she opened up my eyes to not just we're not just talking about things that you find hanging in a museum um but also like i would never i I never would have gone it's scary to see probably i i wouldn't say never but i i wouldn't have gone i wouldn't have seen this film if as early as i did without her and i wouldn't have gotten out of as much out of it if without her i wouldn't have read the books without her um she got me into reading i never used to like to read as a child you know, I never really enjoyed it until, you know, she, she was all, that's all she did. She was a huge bookworm and she really pushed me to that. And she really, she pushed me to open my mind in a, uh, in a lot of different arenas and a lot of different ways. And I, I, I feel like I'm as well-rounded of an individual as I am in large part because of the influence of my older sister. So, um, because uh, so, so tonight I'd like to dedicate this show in honor of her. Um, and so, as every show since uh, for the last few months, we're, uh, we're dedicating um, this show to her, but we're also gonna honor her by uh, raising some money uh, and all proceeds are going to uh, go to the Whitney Museum. So I'm, I'm posting the link inside the show notes and they'll be in the chat here in a moment when I stop talking. Um, but um, I think a lot of people forget that um, there are a lot of different types of art. You know, we enjoy music, we enjoy film, uh, we and you know, we do go to, to museums. Um, uh, not probably as much as we should, but uh we do. And um and so art is one of those things that uh we need to need to enjoy more. And so the only way to do that is through nonprofit organizations like great museums like the Whitney and all over this country. So um that's what we're doing tonight, boys. Awesome. Good choice. So, um
1: Oh, yeah, that sounds very fitting for the show. Mm -hmm.
0: So going back to so we were talking about um, reading the book a little bit. So I I confess to Sam when we were talking about this. I haven't written for 18 years. Uh, Trip, I'll let you go in a second. Sam, when was the last time you read the books?
1: Oh, man, I believe it was eight years ago.
0: I was going to say, if you said last I, I do laugh, but...
1: No, I recently <laughs> reread The Hobbit about a year ago. But The Lord of the Rings, it's between eight, nine years, probably.
0: So after rereading The Hobbit and from your memory from eight years ago, what did you like better in terms of the read?
1: In terms of the read, I mean, for one, The Hobbit is way shorter. <laughs> I I remember... Enjoying The Hobbit because I read it before the movies came out, and when you read the book before the movies, the movie is a different experience. Yeah, because you're judging it based on the book rather than just the movie. Um, because of that, I'm going to say The Hobbit, The Lord of the Rings. Like it's such a long journey across Middle Earth that it's going. In that first book, you're like, man, are they ever going to stop walking? Well, like, like in the first book. The the movie appears to take place in a fairly short time frame. If I recall correctly, the book like the course of the first movie is like twenty five years.
0: It's it's something in the neighborhood of that. Like I think the like when you when you look at the the collection of the three films, and I think they even say it at the end of Return of the King. Um, I'm sure someone can fact check me on this. But it's it's made to understood or it's said that it's it was like twelve months. It was like a year yeah it was like a year and i think yeah i think the 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 actual saga itself was was definitely more than 10 years i think it was so, kind of iliad-esque
1: so, you know i was reading today that uh when i might be getting ahead of ourselves talking about like what happens in the movie and stuff but when gandalf uh basically he makes frodo put the ring in that envelope and he's like I gotta go figure out what the deal is with this thing and leaves and then goes g- goes in goes and gets in the fight with Saruman. That's like 18 years in the book that he's gone.
0: Yeah, where he's where where essentially he's captured what we what we see is for 18 minutes of screen time he's captured yeah. on the top of the tower. He's gone yeah, for like exactly. 25 that's, Yeah,
1: okay. That's 18 years of time in the book, apparently.
0: That's insane. Mm-hmm. Well, I I think I think that makes sense, especially like for today's generation stuff. I think it's really hard. Like, I think the concept of like I just mentioned the Iliad a moment ago. Like, the Mm -hmm. concept of the Iliad is so far fetched that something would take years upon years upon years. um, You know, for you know, Ulysses is gone for for years, and his, his you know you know for his wife to remain faithful and to hold the fort down for his for his kingdom to still be whole in that amount of time um i mean there's just so many things that are you know to this this day and age just don't seem like it could transpire logically so i i mean the films are already long enough i mean how like you know how could you you can play out the the, the I mean, 25 years in in I film. mean
1: i don't think they need to i just think it's interesting that you you don't you don't perceive a, a major passing of time during the movie, during any of the movies, like things are happening, but it doesn't feel like time is just passing and lives are going on. It feels like everything's you know happening at once. Um, so I just find it interesting that the book is uh, too realistic, like too granular
0: with time. Yeah, I think that. Um, I mean, I, I mean, certainly. The 18 years of Gandalf being gone would have been, I mean, his, his weariness would have made much more sense. You know, he's up there for like a day and he looks like he's been in prison for like 18 years. And you're like, dude, like, come on, man, figure it, figure it out. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's get Let's figure out a way to get out of here. You know, turn that frown upside down, Mr. Gandalf, the great, we got to figure this shit out. The end (laughs) of the world is coming. (laughs) So, um, but I, I kind of wanted to jump into this first segment here. So first of all, okay, I want grades, gentlemen. I want brutal honesty here. So I did not go with the, the Sean Bean accent. I didn't want to. I didn't want to just make a total fool of myself. But how did I do? How did I do on the soliloquy? I said you know. two thumbs up. You good? Oh, yeah. two, two thumbs up. I love it. Okay. I yeah. I think I think you guys are being a little generous, but that's okay. Like, you know, if you want to suck up to the host, that's totally fine. Um. I, I I love I love that speech. I, I know it's like doom and gloom, and it's also Sean Bean. But like, um, I, I I absolutely love I love that speech, and it's like forever mortal. You know, immortalized in like memes. You know, it's like the mm-hmm. so. Uh, okay, so Sam, I don't know about this. Are you a fan of Game of Thrones?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, okay, maybe not the last season, but yes. <laughs> okay,
0: so I have no idea what that means because I, I I haven't really watched it. Uh, oh, really? My yeah. Well, uh, and then, but I know Trip is a fan of the show too. I've, so okay, yes. all, right, all right. So speaking from two experts of both worlds here, like, what is the better? What is the better use of the meme? Is it the you know one does not simply walk into Mordor or Winter is coming, brace yourselves, Winter is coming. Oh, well, meme. One Which does part? not simply walk into Mordor wins hands down
1: for me yeah one does not simply walk into mortar It's much better it's it's such it's so much more precise than brace yourselves
0: x is coming so um secretly today i was hanging out with my family and i secretly you know when i say secretly it was just a game that i was playing inside my head i was trying to incorporate as many lines from the film in just everyday conversation (laughs) with my kids who haven't seen it and my wife who's seen it i think a couple of times and so um my son in perfect uh, perfect timing today he's like we we're trying to get home and and, and he because he wanted to play in the playroom with his legos and all this other stuff And he's like daddy we're gonna be late and i said oh no son we're gonna arrive precisely when i intend to <laughs> so <laughs> and uh i think my wife got it she chuckled at me uh just because she knows i've been prepping for the show but <laughs> It was. It was probably the most perfectly timed line of today. I, I tried using the one just not simply a couple of times. It just didn't work though. I think you have to have a real, You have to have a really good moment for it. Yeah. But uh, mm. um, but but that brings up the subject of favorite lines of the film. So I have some nominations that you guys are aware of. But um, before I kind of just blurt out some stuff here, I I want to I want to pivot to you guys. So, you know, Sam. Um, you know, when, you've, when again, you again you saw this a little bit later than trip and i did and i mean you have you have this this and, I, and please when i again when i keep referring to your generation i i i really am just impressed that you know our love of some of the same films has transcended time in the amount that it has like that's that's where it really it's coming from so please don't please don't mistake that i i really want to emphasize that i'm not actually to, funny.
1: to that point
0: uh like,
1: a, a specific thing about Lord of the Rings, I feel like there hasn't really been another franchise that's... I mean, it's, it wasn't new, but it was, it was a version of the story that had never been told, basically. Um, but I feel like there's no other film franchise that has aged the way it has, where, like, it feels like a classic. Most modern movies feel really good at the time, and then they, uh, they just kind of fade away as time goes on. And Lord of the Rings never has it all.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Can you give me an example of... I will uh, give you, you an example. Um, yeah.
1: There was like... really e- notes, e- One e- of e- the e- other e- movies, e- A Beautiful okay. Mind. That's an amazing movie. Okay. But most people, I mean, I, I don't want to speak for Sam. Most people Sam's age that I know have never heard of that
0: movie. Okay, let's put it to the test. Sam, have you seen or heard of *A Beautiful Mind*?
1: I have not. I was looking through that list of you know big movies from that year. No, complete
0: blank. Okay, okay. All right, so that, I mean, yeah, I think that's I think that's interesting. There, you, Sam and I are actually going to be exploring another film uh, later this year that's around the same age. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't transcend like it's no *Lord of the Rings*. Let's just put it that way in that terms of context, but. but um but you know i think it i think it's just really interesting how um these films trip that were like masterpieces of our day 20 years ago still captivate the mind of someone who was you know who was a much a much younger child than we were i mean yeah. we were teenagers i mean we were i mean college my, bound at that point
1: my almost 7 year old um, watched like 45 minutes of this movie with me of the beginning of the extended edition like there's not very much interesting stuff going on there uh and she was like i love this movie nice um but to be fair they have seen the hobbit movies because they had to watch those for school a couple months ago um but still the the fact that she was able to watch it for five minutes without switching to an ipad is pretty impressive to me
0: (laughs) nice Mm -hmm. All right, Sam well okay so put putting you uh, putting you on spotlight here man uh, and I know that uh, you you've changed out you have switched off your video for those that uh, who are watching that you switched off his uh his video just because of uh just preserving some Wi-Fi and everything so we have a little bit better connectivity but uh, so Sam appreciate you taking one for the team here but uh what are some uh what are some of the uh uh your favorite quotes here
1: Well, I mean, one does not simply walk into Mordor. It's classic. It's iconic. It'll probably always be number one, but since you picked it, um, I got a couple. Uh, One by Gandalf. When in doubt, follow your nose. It's classic. (laughs) This man is completely lost in Moria and just smells that this is the right direction.
0: That's a good one. I mean, yeah, considering he was like among like, you know, ten thousand dwarf carcasses at the time, you have to like the, you have to really appreciate wizardry at that point. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. that's I mean, that's some powerful stuff right there. Um I I I really like that scene and for a lot of And Not like reasons. thirty minutes
1: earlier, he's like and not like thirty minutes earlier. He's like, I will be your guide and guide you along the way. And right. he's like hmm. <laughs> I have no idea where I'm going.
0: (laughs) I think I smell the way out. Yeah, like spoiler alert. So, like, yeah, thirty. You know, it's not even three. It's like it's like really in real. It's like one of the shortest period of times in the movie, right? Because this is like, especially since we watched the extended edition, it's like three and a half hours, right? It's like eight minutes of movie time have elapsed when I will be your guide, Frodo, and he's like, "Oh fuck, I'm lost," mm -hmm. and you know, and then he abandons them. (laughs) So. Bravo. Bravo, Gandalf. Now, don't get us wrong. I mean, he sacrifices himself for the greater good. And that's, you know, that's, you know, that's that's something else. But I mean, yeah, he he really kind of failed on that initial proclamation at the uh, at the Secret Council meeting, didn't he? Yeah, a little bit. All right. So uh, so, Trip, what, what's a what's a pick of yours?
1: I mean, there was a lot to choose from, but I had to choose one of the scenes that is I forgot this line was in the movie and it's hilarious when they finish talking in uh in Frodo's hut and Gandalf goes to leave and Samwise is outside and like gets knocked over by the door and he goes have you been (laughs) eavesdropping he goes I ain't been dropping no eaves sir
0: I promise and then the follow-up it's line where he's hilarious. like, I was, "I was trimming, I was trimming the the verge, if you know what I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> trimming the hedge, if you know what I mean, or something like that. It's,
1: it's something like that, trimming the hedge, trimming the lawn. It's something. He was like, yeah. I was just doing garden work in the middle of the night. That's all. <laughs> I wasn't dropping a single eve.
0: I was not dropping a single eve, sir. <laughs> um, I uh. Sam Sam's one of those is probably probably the most one of the most unfortunate characters in this movie actually in the whole series right like he's been the butt of so many jokes over 20 years like there's you know but I mean does does the movie go without him like does it does it like I mean there's so many times where I find like Frodo is kind of like at this like crux in the road and Sam's like come on let's go like just like this blundering idiot that's just like, hey, we've got this mission and I'm not going to leave you because I made this promise like, you know, a year ago.
1: I, I think that's a really good point because I don't know if it's everybody, but Sam drives me fucking crazy. I hate that dude. Like every time he says something, I want to slap him. Uh, but, this, you know, this line uh, not, notwithstanding. Um, but he's so obnoxiously like, I mean... First of all, he's just annoying, but he, then he's obnoxiously positive. But the point of that obnoxious positivity is that Frodo would not have kept going throughout all the movies and all all of the, the shit he goes through. Um, he would have given up
0: without Sam there to be like, everything's going to be fine. Yeah, uh, well, I love the part at the end of this this film, right, where he's like, Frodo's like, "Hey, I'm going to Mordor and I'm going alone." And Fro- Sam's like, "Of course you are, sir, and I'm going with you." Yeah. <laughs> Just this I I don't know, he's he's kind of like, you know, like like uh um Merry and Pippin are like are the, are are the are the classic fools. Yeah. Um but mm-hmm. I mean, they're mm-hmm. like they're almost like more like the court the court jester type. Like they're the comedic relief. And then Yeah, for sure. And Sam's just kind of, Sam is the, Sam is the fool, right? The, the, you know, oh God, what's the, what's the term that I'm looking for? Um, I'll think of it in a second, but um, it's kind of like from um, Man of La La Mancha. You know what I'm talking about? Nope. Don Quixote.
1: Oh, oh. I know what you're talking. Yeah. I know what you're talking about, but I. Damn it. I was I was like, I wish that I knew the word you're looking for so that I could help you out. And now I'm looking for the same word and I don't know what it is.
0: Uh I don't remember. I'm gonna have to look this up. It's just like the greater fool. Yeah, the, the greater fool. That's all it is. Fool. Yeah, the greater fool. Yeah. So like yeah, the greater fool is, you know, just someone who is so is so blind to their, their own their own inadequacies that they all they see is you know all they see is that the, the, the mission at the end of the day, like the, he is, I'm accompanying Frodo. That's all I know. And the ring's got to be destroyed. Like, that's it. That's it. That's all. That's all. That's all Sam wise is good for That's like, that's all, that's all he does. And it doesn't really matter how it happens or whatever, but anything that stops him or anything that gets in his way, that's a problem, which is why he is so like, why he hates um, uh, Gollum so much. Um, Of course, don't we all, but you know, i mean he's never trustful of anybody including including aragorn at the beginning right oh yeah so i mean it's it's one of those it's one of those things like he doesn't trust anyone i mean he doesn't even like the fact that mary and Pippin are there
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's like you know every you know he was given this mission and he's like he's like a robot almost like I'm, we're going we're doing this um but thoughts on sam sam that was just too perfect
1: well you know i feel like at like yeah thoughts on sam wise um i feel like at the very beginning when he gets caught you know dropping the eaves gandalf just scares the hell out of him mm-hmm. so now from that point on he's going to be totally focused on the mission because he doesn't want gandalf to turn him into anything unnatural. Yeah. that's <laughs> a good point actually but even in like i'm going to be honest i watched half yeah, and I watched like half of Two Towers today just because I thought, well, I just watched The Extended Fellowship. I might as well just keep going. And it's like, there's so many moments in the movies where Frodo is just breaking. or it's like, he's about to get found. He's going to get caught. He's going to put the ring on. And Sam's right there and he helps him out. It's like, mm-hmm. for all his annoying moments, there's no way that happens without him. I mean, that's the, that's, I, I find that to be the interesting thing about Sam. That like, as obnoxious as he is, the movie doesn't work without him. And if he was if he was much less obnoxious, the movie wouldn't work like he has to be obnoxiously positive or the movie doesn't happen and it doesn't have those interesting peaks and valleys. I guess the story rather, because I'm I'm assuming I haven't read the books more than a little bit,
0: but uh, I, I assume that those kind of beats with Sam are similar. I want to get a couple more quotes from you guys, but, and I, but I'm, I'm going to go on, I'm going to go out on a limb here and assume something, but I want to go ahead and like, just like, here's my hot take. There's some great lines in this film. This isn't a line type movie, really. I mean, there's so many other, we're going to talk about like the so many other greater things about this mm-hmm. film, uh, including um, how over a difference of 20 years, how two students from TCU, the same school used this film in the same different, way, Which is funny. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, but Frodo doesn't have a single memorable film, like quote in this film. No, not at all. Like no. so, hundred <laughs> percent. Like, yeah. I mean, the closest thing is in the very beginning when he's like, you know, we bagginses were well thought of, you know, before you came along. You know, <laughs> like I mean, that's that's about it. Like, I mean, he really has no. He's got really nothing memorable to say. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's well, the, he's well the, I got the point one of the He's like, well, hit oh, me, Sam. What's up? Oh, absolutely, hit, hit me.
1: I've got one where he like goads Gandalf into saying something really memorable. If at the very counts. beginning,
0: yeah, at the beginning, or like he, um, he arrives precisely as he wanted to, or or what? Hit me. No,
1: he said. He says, "I wish the ring had never come to me." none of this had ever happened and then gandalf says so do all who live in such times but that is not for them to decide all we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us that's a good one so he he's in the conversation where gandalf says something incredibly memorable but you know that's about as good as it gets for frodo and memorable memorable quotes
0: uh, Jay Davis brings up one uh, another one from Gandalf you know like you know Frodo wakes up from his coma or whatever and he's like where were you you weren't at the Prancing Pony and, 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 and Gandalf's like I was delayed <laughs> and according to Trip this was 18 years you know like just two decades sorry yeah <laughs> like, got, you know what I was I was really into this ham sandwich that my wife made me <laughs> like just couldn't 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 get away i was i was really into the i was really into game of thrones and i i was binging that <laughs> couldn't get away I was delayed i was delayed um no i i think you know that's that's really a couple of the the lines and stuff like again this there's 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 lines that we can pick apart probably and there'll probably be some more come up as we're talking about um you know i, I love the i love that it comes in pints like that one's really great but um i I, I think uh, when Gandalf's ever so, so says it several times, like fool of a took when they're in Moria and he's like, throw yourself in next time and rid us of your stupidity. I mean, like do Gandalf is pretty savage sometimes Like yeah. throughout this, throughout this film, actually throughout the series, like he doesn't pull any punches sometimes, which is pretty, I mean, it's, it's, he doesn't make you feel good about yourself. Like he's not that type of wizard. <laughs>
1: Oh, he's a tough love type of wizard. Yeah, that is for, for
0: sure. Well, I think he's only I mean he's only got love for Frodo. Like that's it. Like like that's it. I guess I mean and um and um Bilbo. He really likes yeah, he really true. likes nobody else. Like if you think about it, he really does not like anybody else. I mean he respects Aragorn. I think that's I think that's appropriate. But I mean can we really I mean does he really can you really say he likes him? Probably
1: not. You know, that's a great point. I mean, you see the respect in all of the movies, but it's like, do they like each other? I don't know.
0: Could it be? No, let's just bring this full circle, right? Could it be because he was betrayed by one of his oldest friends in Saruman? I
1: think that could be. That kind of actually tracks. Oh, that's an excellent point.
0: Something to peel, yeah, a layer to peel back there, right? You know, like what you know. He, I mean, Gandalf likes, and it's interesting, right? So Gandalf, the you know, projectionally is the is the wisest, is the wise old man. He's the wise man mm-hmm. in the in the film, and Samwise, the fool, mm-hmm. the greater fool. They they actually are on the same track, right? Like they, nothing is interfering with the mission. Like it's 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 all about sacrifice and, and figuring out a way until the, it actually gets accomplished, which is the ring being destroyed. This is all I just, just coming to, out now, it's kind of cool.
1: I just remembered another quote that I want to hit before it leaves my brain, which was, uh, I think I lost it. Your love of halflings has clearly slowed your mind when Saruman said <laughs> that. I love that quote. And the 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 love of their weed. Yeah. Oh actually I yeah, I
0: might have lost a word there. Yeah. I, I it it was about like the their uh what do they call it? Pipe weed. Pipe weed, yeah. It's Peter Jackson's anti smoking commercial just in the middle of fucking fellowship. Mm-hmm. It sucks. It's like thanks man, appreciate that. <laughs> like, all the halflings wanna do, man, is just like farm, eat some cupcakes. Smoke a little pipe weed like there ain't hurting anybody. But no, that's a problem for you. Saruman. Corrupt bastard. Like, (laughs)
1: um, you know, it sounds like Saruman needs a little pipe weed.
0: Yeah, right. Like, dude, lighten up a little bit, man. I mean, seriously. But I mean, like, rest in peace, Christopher Lee, man. Like that guy, that guy was an incredible actor. Yeah, incredible, incredible. And And he's just a a total badass all around. He's great in these films, too. Like, he's really good in these films.
2: Mm hmm.
0: He plays I mean, he he
1: always has played a really good bad guy, but I feel like he's particularly good in these movies, playing a good guy who suddenly turned into a bad guy. Well, and also, like, you never really see him as a good guy in the film. Yeah, right. Like He's just bad and he really makes you hate the character. Mm hmm.
0: Well, I mean, it's not just that he's, like, he's sighing with Sauron, um, and he's, like, he represents evil, right? Like, Isengard, which was, like, this beacon of hope and truth and everything. I mean, he turns it into this fortress of darkness overnight. I mean, he becomes, like, you know, every environmentalist's worst nightmare. He's tearing down the trees, and, you know, he destroys, like, he destroys an entire world, essentially, or half of an entire world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, like, creates these god-awful creatures in orakai you know which is um man when you think about this being pg-13 man there's some pretty graphic stuff in this film right the the language isn't there but like looking back like i was like you know i was like i can't wait to watch this with my son and then i'm watching i'm like holy shit he's not watching this for like another 10 years dude the orcs are pretty scary and and then like the the uh the cave troll
1: which speaking of the cave troll like those effects hold up man A lot of some of the effects in this movie
0: don't, but that one uh, still looks pretty scary. No, seriously. Like I watched, I watched the, I own the original, the extended edition DVDs, right? Mm -hmm. So, like the tech, like not Blu-ray, right? And I'm watching it on, you know, just, you know, I'm watching it on on a regular like widescreen television, and like, like the movie holds up, which is kind of what we were talking about, like with Sam. Like, I mean, Sam, like when you were watching it this week, I mean, going back. 20, you know, 15 years in your own life when you first saw it I mean like compared to some of the films You watch now I mean like does it, you, In your mind does it hold up
1: Oh absolutely It's kind of amazing how well it holds up And this is the first one of this Lots of Movies from the early 2000s Late 90s The CGI just Not the same yeah. it, it just looks awful now I I was thinking about that, like, I don't know, 30 minutes or so into the movie when they're having uh, Bilbo's 111th birthday party. I was thinking about how I think the costumes in this movie were kind of medieval styled enough that they don't feel dated. Like one of the things that always dates movies is like when you watch a 90s movie, everybody's wearing 90s clothes and it feels like a 90s movie this doesn't feel like a early 2000s movie like it you can't really like just watching it you can't really tell when it was made in my mind at least i was i was wondering the same thing if sam had a different impression than i do but it sounds like he's kind of on the same page
0: yeah well, we're going to get to some in, in short order actually we're going to get to some films of the age right and actually it was actually nominated for best costume design it's a great point uh their trip so um but before we transition here, uh, I wanted to take a quick break because, you know, we do we are smoking cigars and and, uh, and everything tonight. So, uh, um, uh, Trip, what, what did you light up for tonight's uh, festivities? I am just finishing it up like I'm
1: at the point where I need to rip out another cigar, but it's a McAuliffe uh, Herencia Maduro.
0: Nice. Good call. Sam, what are you uh, what are you smoking on?
1: Oh, well, Trip, thank you for smoking McAuliffe. I of appreciate course. it. Um, I am currently smoking one of my last to-be-named Maduro's. It was the precursor to the McAuliffe. Um, so this first batch we came out with in early 2020, absolutely delicious. But I've been plowing through it, lighting up a McDallion next. How about you,
0: So, So uh... – it would have been really comical if you were like, "I'm smoking an Opus X, boys, or something." <laughs> like, <laughs> um, no, um, I'm actually smoking the uh, Macallia, uh, the mcauliffe Corona, um, which is um, what I'm wrapping up. And then I, I have, you have the precursor, uh, Sam, but in reserve, I've got a couple of A's because uh, this is uh, the A is is my my favorite McAuliffe cigar. I am like I my first love will always be the Alex La Crema. Like that's mm. my that's my shit. But um, the A has just become my all time favorite that you guys do. And so um I got a couple of those in reserve. Um, this was a three hour movie. So, I mean, the, the criticism of it tonight should you know, at least last a couple of hours in my mind. So who knows how yeah. long we'll be smoking. Um, but uh, despite despite the heat that we're all that we're all suffering through the dedication that we have. You know, I want our audience to know this. Like it's it's all like 100 degrees, you know, either. Via humidity or just in general where we're mm-hmm. at. So um, I want everyone to appreciate this for what it is. But um, any any last any last minute uh, throw-ins for uh, for favorite quotes? Because I got one more. I just kind of I think it's. I comical.
1: mean, I don't know if this is your one more, but I, I got to throw in "Fly you fools." That's just a really memorable one to me.
0: A good way to say "Run away, you idiots." <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. I love. Uh, I like that one too. So that's in it's actually my line. My last line is in the same scene. Uh, it's actually a little bit prior to that. So uh, it's when Gimli is. Uh, they're like they're all trying to jump from the the, the falling staircase to get to the bridge, mm. you know, in Moria, and uh, Gimli's like, "Hey, no one tosses a dwarf," and uh, and then he so he jumps and he you know misses because you know he's like you know three foot nothing or whatever and weighs like, like five hundred pounds and he has an axe that weighs like, like as much as he does. Um, and so they grab him by the beard and and like my reaction is still like it, my reaction now because I have one is still like, oh, God, because look, I guys, I have an 18 month old kid. And when he grab when he gets his hooks into my beard and yanks on it, man, it is I mean, it brings tears to my eyes and not in a good way. I mean, it fucking hurts. So like the fact that someone yanked on his beard, he's like, not the beard. Like I was like, man, I get you, Gimli. I got you, man. I got you. <laughs> That's, that's, uh, that's, a good, uh, that's a good time. Anyway, uh, Sam, any other throw ins?
1: So I got one more. And this is one that I'm confused because I've seen the extended so many times that I don't remember if it's in the original. Uh, but it's as they're leaving Legolas goes, to the Elvish waybread. It's like one small bite is enough yeah. to feed <laughs> a grown man. And then Mary looks at Pippin. He's like, how many did you eat? Yes. Four. Four. <laughs> like, oh. And then he that huge verb. Right <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that line got me too. I don't remember if that was in the original or not, but
0: that one got me. Okay, so that brings up a good point. Is there any other version other than the extended? Now that we've experienced both, is there any other version?
1: Let me pull up my notes. Cause I actually wrote some notes specifically with my thoughts on this. Um, for me. No, I, I saw the theatrical cut three times. And then the day it came out, I bought the extended edition and watched that, uh, which I don't remember. I'm like, I'm trying to remember the timing. It didn't come out when the DVDs came out, but oh, it no, came it out came before out Two later. Towers.
0: It came out but, a year later.
1: Oh, you know what? I so, bet it came out like the same week that the two towers came out in theaters. That's probably what it was. Um, but my thoughts are there, there is so much context that you get for things that are that exist in the theatrical cut but are never explained like one of them is they show they actually show when um, Sildor steals the ring at the very beginning in like the prologue and right. he holds it in his hand you see it shrink and then he gets in the water. And it grows, which is why it fell off in the water for no reason, because it can grow and shrink at will. And that's why whoever puts it on, it fits. But the scene where it shows it shrinking wasn't in the original movie. And I don't remember if the if it falling off was in in there or not, or if it was just kind of said that he dropped it and lost it.
0: We're we're gonna get to nitpicks at the very end, but I think this is an appropriate moment to mention. Like Sauron, the like the god of the dark world, like the most powerful evil being in the history of all Middle Earth, who's been all terrorizing powerful. for like five thousand years. Yeah, he's been yeah, and he's he's he created this one ring to rule them all, right? And he's fucking just l- wailing like divisions of men, right, with his battle axe in this opening scene, right. And one little measly little strike with a broken sword to his hand takes him down. Like,
1: wow. Yeah, I, I had never thought of it that way. Uh, that does seem kind of weird that he's so powerful. And I mean, in the context of the movie, he, he loses it immediately. Like, as soon as he puts it on and starts using it in battle. He gets his finger chopped off and no longer has possession of it. Right. Uh, Which seems pretty
0: weak for an all powerful evil, badass. Well, considering he care, you know, he created it. Right. So he, you know, he wields the power of it. And I don't know, it's to me, it was like, like for a film, as we've like progressively talked about it just a moment ago, is it progresses and it gets really more graphic. I mean, there's people getting like arrows through eyeballs and I mean, heads getting chopped off and stuff like that. Like, man, you could have, You know, he could have ran that you know that splintered sword through some you know bodily orifice, you know, and chopped off the hand. It's you know, yeah, it's a quick edit. Like I don't know, you (laughs) You would think, right?
1: You know what? This is just a like a spoiler for the audience. The nitpicks are going to be a ton of fun on this movie.
0: I agree. There are so many. Oh God, there. Yeah, I've got tons. Like I've 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 absolutely got tons. It's it's it's. And they're, and they're all comical too, which is just, it's just really fun. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I love watching this film. We all
1: love this movie.
0: Go ahead, Tim. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. We all love this movie. We love this movie, but we all have hilarious nitpicks
0: about it. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, all right. So those are, those are the, um, those are the, some of the best quotes that we found in it. And I've, there's some great ones in the chat too. So if you guys keep those coming, that's great. Um, my other, um, so I, I really like on these, movie, on these movie shows that I do, I really like reading the, I don't know if you guys, I get a kick out of sometimes reading like the IMDB description of a movie
1: because oh, it's not cool. really
0: like the plot per se. It's like a really oversimplified, like generic description of a like a, you know, in this case, a pretty epic film, right? So this is a film that has transcended twenty years, connected generations, right? Sam's here, you and I are here, Trip, you know. Older people in the audience who connected with it, you know. The people who originally read the book as children and then got to see it, you know, come you know. It's that kind of iconic film, right? So what does IMDB do it? They reduce it down to one sentence. Here we go. Released in 2001, a meek hobbit from the Shire and eight companions set out on a journey to destroy the powerful One Ring and save Miller from the Dark Lord Sauron. It's the most boring description I've ever heard in my entire life.
1: And and also, like, uh, I don't know if, like, the second half of that sentence is two movies later. (laughs) They set off in this movie, but that's about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's like nowhere, nowhere close. Like that was one of the things, you know, we're, when I was in the theater with my sister watching this for the first time. Right. And it's like, we're like two hours and 45 minutes in. Right. And I'm like, holy shit. They, you know, I'm looking at my watch, not because I'm bored, but I'm like, man, they better figure out how to get to. F- I had no idea. Right. I had no idea. i I'd never read the books. I never, I didn't know the story. Right. I'm like, I'm looking at my watch. I'm like, they better fucking hurry up to this Mordor place, man. Like, this is <laughs> like, how long is this film? And, you know, it goes on for another 30 minutes. But I mean, at that point, but like and then I'm like, oh, oh, shit. It's continuation like, oh, we don't wait. What? I mean, it's not just I'm, I don't I'll I'll hold my thoughts on
1: this until until uh, nitpicks if you want.
0: That's fine. That's fine. So. Th-
1: you feel like there's supposed to be more movie and he's like, all right, there it is. That's where we got to go. And then it just cuts to black. Like this movie ends so suddenly with no warning there's a big action scene and then Sam and uh Sam and frodo come out of the trees and see the valley and they're like end of the movie yeah they say one sentence and it's over
0: yeah and then the the three it's remaining so guys of the fellowship are like yeah we're gonna go get the we're gonna go get the halflings
1: yeah it, it pacing wise it feels very strange in a movie um but i guess having the ace in the pocket of already having filmed most of the next movie. They weren't worried about like not having a sequel or anything like that. Um, But still, it's like when you finish this movie, you're ready to watch the next one.
0: Uh, it's the ultimate cliffhanger. Well, I mean, Sam just proved it. He said like he tuned in, like he ch- turned on the two towers for a few hours. Yeah,
1: way. exactly. So he could watch the end of this movie. <laughs> the first hour of two towers feels like the end of this movie. <laughs> right. Oh, you're 100% right. I have just felt like I was watching the same movie.
0: Exactly. Well, uh Chrissy Critchfield's in the comments and she was saying one of her favorite lines is uh, "Looks like meat is back on the menu, boys." And that's from Two Towers, which I love that I love that line too. That one's a great quote.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um and and uh, uh but yeah, you're absolutely right. Sam that the, the first hour of of Two Towers or seems like seems like the like the conclusion. Like, "Oh, finally, fellowship's over. We're good."
2: Yeah,
0: <laughs> now I can watch the two towers, even though I'm an hour into the next movie. <laughs> so, um, okay, so going back to 2001, right? And so this 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 film is actually this. I like I like diving into the Academy. I really like diving into Academy Awards because as you look back historically, like the Academy, there there are times when the Academy really um, is has a ton of foresight. Mm -hmm. And things really like their awards really age well, like even though they seem like misses at the time, they really age well. And then there's times where they're like they're misses and they're like 20 years later, they're still they're terrible. It's even worse. Right. And I think we've got some examples of both in this case. So um, so uh, Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring is nominated for 13 Oscars, 13 Oscars. okay? it wins four. And we're gonna discor- discuss how they kind of age. So um, so the, the wins that it wins for, best cinematography, best makeup, which I think that hands down, right? That's, I mean, that's a yeah. pretty good close. Best effects, visual effects. And we just, we talked about that a second ago. Like, again, it's 2021. We're, we're, we're watching the extended version. In my case, I'm watching the DVD, not even the Blu-ray. And I'm like, I'm all in. Like this, none of it looks weird. None of it looks fake. i I was watching it on hbo max so it was in like 4k
1: and i agree with you there were like i took notes on maybe three parts when an effect like looked aged but the fact that like one of the things with this movie is they kind of it was it was a weird crossing where like practical effects had gotten to a point where they were fantastic but they were aging uh or I guess they were losing to CGI at the time. Right. And Peter Jackson said, we're not going to use much CGI. We're going to use it when we have to, but we're going to use practical when we can. And I feel like that's what makes the movie look so good because the CGI, some of the CGI looks pretty bad. Uh, but for the most part, you can't tell that the effects have like the effects haven't aged at all for most of the practical effects, the mats, the miniatures. Um, they look fantastic.
0: Well, considering we're talking about Lord of the Rings and I'm going to mention a film that like, oh, my God, pales in comparison. Right. But I was watching Poseidon the other day, Mm -hmm. you know, the uh, Kurt Russell and a couple other like B-list actors and actresses in the film. Um, The effects in that, I mean, the movie's like maybe 10 years old, maybe 12. Something like that. And the effects of age terribly. It's awful. It's
1: awful. And a, a lot of movies of this era have because they were jumping on the CGI bandwagon before it was ready. And I kind of feel like CGI these days might feel the same way in 20 years. But who knows? But like the everybody was switching over to CGI and Peter Jackson didn't want to do it. And to changed the way that effects were done for everyone. Like they they pioneered new technologies in CGI because what existed didn't cut it.
0: Jay Davis is putting a comment in the chat. I did not. I said I, I did not call Kurt Russell a B-list. I said Kurt Russell and some B-list actors and actresses. Okay, Kurt Russell is not a B-lister. Okay, Jay, cool your horses, man. It's all good. I have a lot of respect for Kurt Russell. Um, dude's epic. All right. Um, but uh, you know, going back to the effects thing, like I don't know, like Sam, since you, and, and look, I'm a fan of some of the films too, but you kind of grew you kind of came of age during the, the beginning of this, this Marvel superhero epic takeover of, 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 uh, of cinema. Um, I feel like in 20 years, like we're not gonna look back on like Iron Man and the Avengers, like the way that we look back on Lord of the Rings. What do you, what do you think? You grew up during that age. What, what do you think?
1: You know, I'm that's a really interesting take. you know, I was in college when kind of Marvel hit its peak, you know, with Infinity War and stuff like this, but man, I don't know. they're so heavily reliant on CGI and the newer technology that they don't have to use a lot mm-hmm. of like the makeup like you'd see on Orcs and Lord of the Rings. Now, it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens like I I have no context for what the next 20 years is gonna look like but will it age better I think mean, probably not because this movie aged beautifully yeah. yeah it's gonna be hard for them to age better than this movie did uh, my my curiosity about uh, CGI right now is that in the 90s 90s CGI looked incredible like you remember the first time you played a PlayStation game, Bear? And it was like, how oh how can a video game look like this? It right. looks so real. And then now looking at that game,
0: it looks horrendous. Yeah, looking at Madden 97 or like um, you know, like the Final Fantasy games and things like that, like they're just, yeah, it's it's it's, yeah. it's abysmal compared to what's like it's available now. I mean, I can play more better t- better technology games on my phone. Oh, absolutely. But the the thing is, like, as a
1: as a viewer, you, you can't tell something doesn't age until it's already aging. Like you can't tell if something's gonna age until it happens with uh, computer graphics because right. the, the rate that computer graphics get better is kind of all over the place. Like there are periods where we've gone five years without huge improvements. And there are periods where we've had insane improvements in a, over the course of five years.
0: Right. Well, like the thing I think about too, like the Irishman, you know, the Netflix saga that uh, yeah. Scorsese did like with the the anti, an, speaking of aging, the anti-aging technology. Like, how's that going to look in 20 years? Like, I just think it's gonna look bad. Yeah. This is, it's gonna, I think it's gonna look really terrible. Um, I think the Marvel stuff's definitely gonna age better than that yeah i mean i love the film like that's not a knock i think the irishman was a great film it's just it's it's really hard to get because i grew up with those guys and i saw them in their youth when they were before in in movies and playing the age of the actors that they were playing in 2020 playing you know uh you know i saw them in older films at, at the same age you know i saw pacino in the godfather you know i saw you know uh, De Niro, um, you know, and Godfather two. And, and those were, that was the age that these guys were supposed to be in the film, the you know, the Irishman mm-hmm. essentially. And it, it, it's just, uh, it, it, it kind of just throws you. Plus it's really awesome when, um, you know, Pacino is yeah. supposed to be playing a 40 year old man. And when he gets up out of a couch, you know, I mean, you can see all 70, yeah. 75 years of Al Pacino <laughs> getting out of that couch. It's, it's pretty comical, but, um, don't want to get too far off traffic here. So coming back to the Academy Awards, though, so wins for best effects, visual effects, which totally stands up even after 20 years. That's when aged incredibly well. But here's the one, Sam, that you wanted to talk about. Best music, original score, Howard Shore, wins it. Wanted you to share your thoughts.
1: The score is so iconic. Like, every time, like, You could put on the album from The Fellowship of the Ring, and you would be able to tell what scene that song was played. Like, it's so iconic in setting the tone for the movie. It starts out right at the beginning when they're talking about the history of the ring. So we all kind of have that going on in our
0: head now. Yeah, yeah, you you can hear it playing. What I what this was the connection of the comment that I made earlier, right? So so Sam, you and I attended the same university many years apart, TCU. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: What did you? How did you used to study? How did you do those long study sessions? What got you through those long study sessions?
1: Yep. So I go to the library, sit in the library, throw the headphones in, and I could never study with music with words because my mind just go along with the words. I I couldn't do it i play film scores and my three favorites, the Lord of the Rings, there and I did a while back gladiator and then a movie that has an extremely similar score to gladiator, which was pirates of the Caribbean. But it was the Lord of the Rings was the one that was like always like, Oh man, I need to go home and watch that movie.
0: <laughs> so here's the funny part. So almost 20 years earlier, I'm a student at TCU. There's this technology called CDs because I couldn't afford the new fangle technology known as MP3 players. I could not afford an iPod. Um, but I went out and bought the soundtrack for Lord of the Rings, and that's what I did. I would go to the same library, maybe even maybe even the same spot, man, you know, the basement or by the stacks, you know, really find a quiet spot. And uh,
1: oh, the basement was the
0: place, yeah. Throw on the headphones, man. And you, I mean, you could get lost down there, it was perfect, perfect, perfect for those long study sessions. What Trip? What about you? Did you have any, any any connection to the soundtrack? I mean, we're kind of waxing poetic about it, but what, what about you? Not really.
1: I, I mean, I'm I was in high school when it came out, and I was not studying very much, to be honest. <laughs> uh so i mostly listen to music with words at the time i hadn't really i hadn't thought about how good the soundtrack is i don't think i've listened to it on
0: its own ever so i might have really? to do that this week while i'm working yeah, and yes you, and, and see how it so. feels i think so put on put it on the spotify mm-hmm. um speaking of technology right um no I, yeah it's, you know sam and i are trying to be good studious uh students over here listening to some soundtracks and you know you know, trips over there jamming into like System of a Down or whatever. Yeah, you know, doing doing some algebra or advanced calculus. <laughs> yeah. um,
1: well, you know what has me really curious is if all three of the Lord of the Rings movies won that same score for the best original score.
0: Yeah, Howard Shore is a genius, man. Like, I think he's like one of the most under the under most underwritten, you know, cinematic, you know musical composers of our time right everyone talk. everyone the john williams is the go-to right yeah hans Hans zimmer john Mm -hmm. williams like they're the go-to's but i mean howard shore i mean man geez unbelievable this is unbelievable score so there are a couple of other wins right um so it's uh so those actually those are the wins those are the wins uh best cinematography Best makeup, best musical, original score, best effects. Okay. So those are the four wins. It's nominated for 13 Oscars. So of course it's nominated for best picture, right? This is the most, this is always the most controversial, su- controversial subject ever anyways, right? Every year it's always the most controversial. Yeah. Okay. So let's go through the list, right? So spoiler alert, Lord of the Rings does not win, but it's nominated, right? These are the other nominees. Moulin Rouge, Boz Luhrmann, right? Great, great film. Mm-hmm. Um, Gosford Park, Robert Altman. Also, you know, also a, a very good film. I would not put it in the class of Lord of the Rings or Moulin Rouge, but it's good. In the Bedroom. Got to be honest, never seen and haven't even really heard of. Same. Sam, In the Bedroom. Are we no. missing something by not no, watching? Never heard of Graham it. Leander's. Uh, uh, greatest uh greatest cinematic achievement maybe all right um i vaguely remember the name gosford park but i've never seen that
1: either it's good it's a good film i don't know if your bag. i don't but know I, if it's, also, ba- it know probably if it's rated
0: bad. r and i was 17 when this came out so i was like just coming around to rated r movies i i don't think it's your bag i mean i don't want to be like i don't want to put you in a pigeonhole you trip but i don't think it's your i don't think it's your jam but
1: all it's right. a
0: good film it's a good film i mean i i, I would encourage you to check it out um Here's the movie that wins. Trip, you mentioned it earlier. Brian Grazer, Brian Brian Grazer and Ron Howard, A Beautiful Mind. How does this Oscar win age twenty years later? I,
1: this is one of those ones that if you go back to it, it's an amazing movie, but it hasn't. It doesn't have staying power in pop culture, like. I don't even know if most, many Best Picture winners do. Um, a Beautiful Mind is an amazing movie that I think I think probably deserved Best Picture that year. Maybe. I don't know. It's close between that and Lord of the Rings, and I haven't seen that in a long time. Uh, but I don't think that's the kind of movie that people are still discovering now. That's the kind of movie that people are uh, you know, people who saw it at the time go back and watch, but doesn't really get new viewers the way that Lord of the Rings does.
0: Well, like when you look at iconic films, like I put Lord of the Rings in the class of something like I, another film that I mentioned a moment ago, Godfather. Like mm-hmm. when I, when I watch the Godfather with my son many years from now, like that, hopefully he feels the same way about the Godfather the way that I do. Right. That it, like, it's a movie that transcends time. Right. Yeah. Like lord of the rings that feels is going to do that i think you know when i when you, you like you said you you know your kiddos watched and they're like man i really like this film and I, I think my kids will like it too yeah you know sam you don't have kids yet but i mean like you know i, I feel like your love of it will transfer generations too um and I, I because we talked about the way that this is laid out the effects the costumes because of its medieval time period-esque like, it's mm-hmm. going to age well regardless, but I think it's going to be a movie that transcends time. Kind of like the Indiana Jones Chronicles to play Star Wars, right? To mm-hmm. kind of put it in the same realm of, I guess, the same category.
1: A, uh, a, a classic of pop culture.
0: Yeah. Where, like, th- there's nobody
1: who grows up having never heard of Star Wars. Right. Just like there's nobody who grows up having never heard of Indiana Jones or Lord of the Rings or... I guess Game of Thrones now is, is becoming, I mean, maybe not now we'll see how it, how it ages when the sequels come out. But you know, the, the, those movies that every generation knows about that are, that are thought of as classics going forward forever. Sam, have you seen a beautiful mind? I haven't, but you know, that kind of speaks to how it aged because Everyone I know has at least heard of Lord of the Rings and either adores it or they're like, oh, I don't watch movies like that,
0: you know, mm-hmm. but they've heard of it. And they're no and longer like, your friends, right? The people are like, yeah. Oh, I don't watch movies like that.
1: <laughs> well, that or I convinced them to watch the movie.
0: Yeah, I was going to say
1: he kidnaps them and chains them to a chair and makes them watch it. Yeah. Obviously, I may not start with extended edition right away, but they're definitely <laughs> watching the, the theatrical cut. But it's like, there's, it's kind of one of those first movies that, you know, we have Marvel now with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but The Fellowship of the Ring introduced this entire universe of Tolkien. And you don't see, it's kind of the first movie that comes to mind besides, you know, Star Wars that does that.
0: I agree. Right. Right. It's a, it's a world, it's a world. And like, like, we'll probably touch on this a couple of times, but I think like the, like this, really? I, I want to. There's two people that you need to applaud in this case, right? Like we 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 never give enough credit to Tolkien, right? I I don't think yeah. he. I I think I as many people like he has like this godlike worship him in nerddom, but I still think he's still underwritten. Like I still think that people are like, oh well, yeah, the, these films are amazing. The the world he created this world in a literary fashion, like it. He has a hardcore
1: following, but for the most part, I feel like he's underrated. Like people
0: kind of overlook the fact that he created this 85 years ago. Yeah, there's there's maps, there's languages. I mean, there's 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 actually so much like unpublished material that he put together to kind of back up the creation of this world. Which is. I mean, it's just, I mean, I think that's why the film does so well and why the, the book stands up over almost a century is that it's more than just words on a page, right? He created yeah. a he created a world. Like it, it has
1: this super rich backstory the way that the way that Star Wars does, for example. Like Star Wars, every character who's ever been on screen has a name and a backstory, and that's exactly I mean, that was, I I would assume, kind of modeled after Lord of the Rings a little bit um, since it predates it.
0: Yeah, cinematically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. So, you know, Best Picture always is controversial, but then I feel like even worse than, like, Best Actor Awards or best, or best Actress Awards, I feel like the Supporting Actor and Actress Awards are really controversial over time, right, when we look mm-hmm. back at this. So... So uh, um, Ian McKellen, who plays Gandalf the Grey, is nominated for Best Supporting Actor in this film. Doesn't win. And here are the other nominees. Okay. John Voight. He plays Howard Cosell in Ali. Um, Dreadful makeup um, in this film. Dreadful. Um, But he he does Cosell spot on. So I totally got to give it to him. Uh, he's also not uh, in the film very much, so they're really giving it to him first performance because the makeup is just awful. Um, Ben Kingsley, who's an amazing actor, uh, in uh, as Don Logan in Sexy Beast, is also nominated. Uh, one of my personal favorites because I'm a huge Denzel fan, uh, Denzel Washington freak, and so the movie Training Day is like one of my all time faves. Mm-hmm. Ethan Hawke is the supporting actor in that film. And he's nominated for officer Jake Hoyt, which I thought was incredible. None of those guys win. None of them win. So the person who wins best supporting actor is Jim Broadbent, who plays John Belay in the film Iris.
1: I had to look up Iris, by the way.
0: I don't recall this movie existing ever. I've never seen it. Is that unfair to Jim Broadbent? Yes, it is. But I've never seen it. But again, that kind of take, talks to the aging part. Sam, ever actually, Sam, the entire list, how many movies have yeah, you I'm, seen?
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I'm curious about Training Day, too.
0: Iris, Training Day, Sexy Beast, Lord of the Rings, and Ali. Have you, how many have you seen? We well, you know you've seen um, Lord of the Rings.
1: Well, you know, I'm ashamed to say I've only seen Lord of the Rings. I've never seen Training
0: Day. You need to fix that one, but that's just, that's my, that's my personal bias, but yeah. Okay.
1: I do need to fix that one. I totally agree. Um, Iris, I'd never even heard of until, you know, I had to Google it when you sent the agenda. But yeah, training day I've heard of, you know, I've seen Denzel, like a picture of Denzel from that movie all the time. Right. But that's really the only other movie I've even heard of is training day.
0: Look, Jim Jim Broadbent is an accomplished actor. He's been in over mm-hmm. 160 films. Okay, and this is no disrespect, but Jim Broadbent and that lit—I mean, this this is—he better have a fucking room dedicated to this Oscar in his in his house. Like the 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 people he beats out. I mean, Ben Kingsley, Ian McKellen, Ethan Hawke. I mean, just I mean. In easing hawks, probably that's I'm uh, um, hot take here. That's Ethan Hawks' best performance ever, ever, and I don't think it'll ever be beat like for him personally. I don't think he'll ever do a better performance on film than he was as a officer Jake Coy in training day. And someone can I'll, fight, I'll, I'll counter that. that with Gattaca, but mm. this isn't about Gattaca, so yeah, <laughs> we'll move on. <laughs> but Jim, so Jim Broadbent, he's he's and it's the only Oscar he's ever won. Is for Iris, but he's in like, I mean, he's in some great, I mean, he's actually, he was actually in another great film that, that year. He was in Moulin Rouge. Right. He was in, um, the gangs iron of lady York. gangs in New York. Um, he, uh, you know, I mean, I'm mean, well, I mean, if you want to, you know, it's really comical, right. He's, he's actually a voice of a Teletubby. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, which is common. he's in uh, he's in one of the and I think he's in one or two of the Bridget Jones's movies. I think he's Bridget Jones's dad, if I remember correctly. Um, And, you know, just I mean, really hasn't done. I mean, his career arc is just nothing like some of these others, including like, I mean, I mean, this this one is probably this one probably angers me more than Best Picture, to be honest. I mean, if you don't want to give it to Ian McKellen, fine. Me personally, I would have given it to Ethan Hawk, but I mean it, if Ian McKellen doesn't get it, but
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I have a funny story about this that I'll tell off air about this. So you guys gotta remind me. It's just not appropriate, okay. but it's funny. Um about Ethan Hawk and this award. Um but uh I uh I, I man, this this one this one angers me. I'm not gonna lie. I it's just like in a movie that's forgettable. None of us have heard of it. None of us have seen it. And by an actor that, I mean, this has, to, he ha, he better have a room dedicated to this award. I'm serious. Any other, any other thoughts? Best supporting actor?
1: I, I so. kind of feel the same way. I mean, yeah. it's, you got an iconic performance from Ian McKellen that has stood the, the test of time for 20 years. That every new person watching this movie is like, ah oh, Gandalf just like this comforting character who's the man and then oh you know Training Day is the only other like movie that's really stood the test of time yeah I mean he, I he think Ali like Ali was a huge movie at the time um, but I, I feel like within 10 years people were not rewatching that
0: frequently or anything like that See, I feel bad for Will Smith because he really dedicated himself to that role. Mm-hmm. And he threw himself into it. Jamie Foxx steals that film, by the way, and he—he he actually got robbed. He should have been nominated over John Voight, in my opinion, for best supporting actor. Um, but that's another—that's another take. But the—I um, feel bad because Ali got overshadowed by Training Day. Yeah. In terms of—in uh, terms of the—the—the. The, the, the The black artist performance, right? Denzel just, just crushes Will Smith in a fiction, in a fictional role crushes the real life. Role. Yeah. and, and, and Will Smith is brilliant as Ali. That's the, the phenomenal thing. biopic role. Yeah, he is. He's, he's brilliant as Muhammad Ali. I mean, he's absolutely brilliant and, and Denzel just crushes him. Right. Um, But then moving on to this next one, right. Best director. Right. So Peter Jackson, in, in my mind, Um, And I have like in my personal list of favorite directors, like Peter Jackson is pretty far down the list. Mm -hmm. But what I will say about Peter Jackson, in my own opinion, is um, he delivered um, three of the most iconic directorial works in the last half century. Not even not even the last 20 years, like the last half century, going back 50 years. Yeah. What he did by taking on the Lord of the Rings saga and then ultimately the Hobbit, you know, years later and everything, but mostly these films. (laughs) Um, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable what Peter Jackson did. Um, How, how do you, what do you guys, how do you guys feel about Peter Jackson? Where's he on your, where's he on your all-time list of directors?
1: All, all time. I can confidently say top 15. Like, I don't have a list in mind, but definitely top 15. I don't know if he'd make the top 10 or not, but uh, like, I, I love, love the movies he did before this uh, Dead Alive and uh, what's really the one? underrated film? The ones, the one with the aliens. Uh, bad. I lost, I lost the name. Bad taste. Bad, something. bad taste. Um, I love those movies. They're very different than this. This was like... He spent like... uh, Easily eight years. Probably ten. Creating in his mind a plan that he would eventually be able to execute to make these three movies at once. Like, he basically just made these back-to-back over the course of two years or so. And he had... We, we talked about in the green room, the credits of Fellowship of the Ring extended edition are 28 minutes long and they are dense credits. It's not like those credits where it shows each name and then fades to black. Like it does that for a minute and then scrolls for 27 minutes. It's insane how many people worked on this movie. And the, like, the, the Weta Workshop came from this, of course, which now they're kind of viewed as the masters of both CGI and practical effects and just the amount of resources he got together he had hundreds and hundreds of people working on building miniatures building uh props building costumes building everything uh that i i feel like uh he he at the very least he put in a hell of a lot more time than ron howard did yeah <laughs> oh that's an understatement. and i love ron howard too like right you too like but, but the fact that Peter Jackson got all of this to come together and result in an
0: amazing movie uh, is pretty impressive, I would say. Sam, before you give your thoughts, your own personal thoughts on Peter Jackson, here's 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 the IMDb run for Peter Jackson. You ready for this? So, 1987—that is actually his directorial debut. Really, I mean, he did a short like in the 70s.
1: Yeah.
0: But it was 1987. Bad taste. Meet the Feebles in '89. Dead oh, Alive. Amazing movie. Dead Alive, 92. Heavenly Creatures, 94. He did a TV movie in 95 called Forgotten Silver. The Frighteners in 96. Oh, I forgot he did that. Fast forward to 2001, and here we are. The Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring, Two Towers in 02, Return of the King in 03. Then he does King Kong in 2005. The Lovely Bones in 2009. Uh... And then the Hobbit films in 2012 through 14, and then um, I mean he does some other he does some other f- films after that. Um, I mean the Adventures of Tintin, uh, he he he's actually that's announced he's actually doing that later. But um, but the Hobbit is kind of where it ends for him so far. I mean that was you know seven years ago. Was the last thing he really did? So uh, so Sam, your your thoughts on Peter Jackson in terms of where he ranks in directors and like again how he uh, how he stands up in the in the world of the, of the world of directors, you think?
1: Well, you know, I've never kept track of directors like I probably should have, but what he does in this movie. And this one even more so than Two Towers and Return of the King. It's like this book was written in you know mid nineteen fifties is when it was published, and no one dared tackle it because of the scope of the universe mm-hmm. that it's written in. And he does it and absolutely kills it and brings it to life. Like the challenge you have to take on as a director to do that. There's an, I haven't seen Beautiful Mind, but there's no way it was that challenging. No. To
0: take
1: on three. Like you have three extremely dense books of material to work from plus all of the other unpublished stuff that has background information. Oh, and the Hobbit. Right. And you're sneaking references to the Hobbit into this first movie. Mm
0: -hmm. No, the most challenging thing Ron Howard did in beautiful mind was tackling the ego of Russell (laughs) Crowe. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's be honest.
1: Yeah, post Gladiator Russell Crowe.
0: <laughs> yeah. Th- th- that's the, and that's the thing about is, you know, speaking of ego, right? And I think that's why this film and these series of films does incredibly well. Is they're, you know, by the end of it, they're I mean, by the end of the first one, and then definitely by the end of the third one, you know, the return of the king, they're all they're all star. I mean, they're all like it's it's everyone's apex mountain, right? Yeah. They all hit, they all hit their ape. They can do anything they want after that. You know, it's, you know, it's, you know, it's nuts. And then they go on and the actors and actresses in this film go on to make many, many, many other mistakes. You know? (laughs) Like like Elijah Wood, for example, like he went from being that dude from the faculty
1: to being a producer and just making whatever he wants for 20 years.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, he was that kid actor. Yeah, he was that childhood actor. And and, uh, then he gets this role which we're going to talk about recasting here in a second, but um, like, it's just, it's just incredible what, you know, what these, you know, what Peter Jackson got out of all of these actors and actresses, like the level of performance and then putting it all together. And like, yeah, he tackles a world that no one dare talk. There were no one even dare touched.
1: Well, and that goes to speak for this movie really like not only set the bar, but kind of set the formula for super blockbusters, I guess you would call them like, like the end game kind of movies where you have these enormous battles that weren't like, nobody thought you could do that on film until this movie. Um, And it really, I I feel like since in the, in the 20 years before this movie, there weren't epic action movies. There were awesome action movies, lots of them, but there was nothing that was like an entire world uh, coming together and, you know, going on adventures like this and stuff. Uh, I'm trying to think of other movies that fit in there, but the only ones that come to mind are like The Great Wall of China with Mark Wahlberg or The Great Wall, I guess it was called. Um, But like movies like that, movies like The Avengers. Wasn't it Matt Damon in The Great Wall? Oh yeah, Matt Damon, I'm sorry. Um, Sorry, man, didn't mean to call you out. But movies like that, that are like crazy, over-the-top, like huge action. Before that, it was all kind of uh more in the style of uh like armageddon that was like a blockbuster movie and this made blockbuster movies like an adventure rather than just a threat Mm -hmm. okay so So it's
0: go ahead please
1: it's like it's like you said it hasn't really been done successfully since then until marvel did it
2: Uh, yeah and even those first few
1: marvel movies those first few Marvel movies you're like, oh, these are good standalone movies. Like they don't really go together until the Avengers came out. But the Lord of the Rings did it, boom, right off the bat in one movie. You have nine major characters immediately. And you feel like you love all of them. Yeah. Immediately.
0: So I think we've we've kind of danced around it, but so Peter Jackson obviously loses the best director award, right? Uh And but look at the li- now. This is now. This is a list. This, is, this a list. is a list, right? So Peter Jackson's nominated for the Lord of the Rings. David Lynch for Mulholland Drive. David Lynch is incredible. Robert Altman yeah. for Gosford Park. Robert Altman's incredible. Ridley Scott. For Black Hawk Down. And they all lose to Ron Howard <laughs> of A Beautiful Mind, which we've already talked about. I'm not going to we're not going to go back into how forgettable A Beautiful Mind is or how I guess non-existent in terms of like aging. Right. But all those films, I mean, Black Hawk Downs probably aged probably the best out of out of all of them. I think uh, so. uh, aside uh, outside of the Lord of the Rings. Um, but those actors, uh, excuse me, those directors are all they're all icons. You know, so mm-hmm. I mean, if you're going to I mean, I suppose if you're going to lose, you know, lose to another he was icon, in good company
1: for this one
0: yeah he was yeah um and then so it's nominated for best costume design doesn't win best sound best original song best art direction best editing all losses but we ta- trip you brought up a great point about how tackling this world you know it, it encompassed so much not just you know not just what he put on screen, but also from the writing perspective, right? Yeah. So it's it's nominated for best writing material based on a previous work, right? And um, here are the nominees. Of course it loses. Here are the nominees. In the bedroom again, makes an appearance. (laughs) Shrek. (laughs) Yes, the animated movie Shrek is in the nominating class. It doesn't win, so, okay. ghost world which i've also haven't seen it's a it's a comic
1: i I have seen that it's i that was like essentially an indie movie right like uh i I think the only reason it was in there is because it was based on a comic book in a time where
0: comic book movies were not good and then it loses again to akiva goldsman based on the book by sylvia nasser a beautiful mind How does Lord of the Rings lose this? I can't explain it. I I don't get this one either.
1: I don't get it at all. It it doesn't make any sense.
0: One, my first reaction is,
1: oh my God, Shrek was a book?
0: Yeah, I didn't realize that either. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I mean, a children's book, mind you, but I I mean, at least it thinks, at least I think so. I mean, I haven't read the book, so I'm not going to stand here and speak on authority of it, but I mean, I would imagine it was a children's book.
1: Yeah. I I think it's safe to assume it was a children's book. You
0: know, although they're like, you know, some classic Disney films that, you know, were, were not, I mean, they were stories, but they certainly, you know, weren't something I'd put my kids to sleep at night, like little mermaid for instance. Yeah. Um, Pretty graphic. Um, but, um, the actual story, not the, not the Disney film. Um, but, uh, Man, this was this was awful too. This was an awful loss for awful loss for I mean Fran Fran uh, Fran Walsh, uh, uh Philip Boyens and Peter Jackson all contributed to writing based on Tolkien's book and Oh gosh. I mean it's just just this age is terribly. And it just oh,
1: it's it's horrible. Like they brought to life an entire universe. And they had to cut out so much of the book because, I mean, Tolkien, yeah. phenomenal writer, but he writes a lot of things. Like, you have entire characters like Tom Bombadil who don't make the movie because they don't really progress the plot. And well, they, had the, they had the foresight to write that out.
0: Yeah, and there's char- trust me, there's also, we're going to get to this, there's characters in this film that actually don't really, that don't need to be in there either, but. <laughs> oh, Absolutely. But um, yeah, I just don't get it. Yeah, Tolkien's like the Robert Mitchner of like the you know, you know, because I don't know if you guys have ever read uh, Mitchner, but um, like he has this he has this book called The Centennial. It's a bio biopic uh, novel, and he spends like 112 pages talking about. It, it's basically the the Centennial is talking about basically from the cooling of the crust up to the 200 you know 50th anniversary of uh, or excuse me, the 200th anniversary of, uh, of of the United States.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And he talked, there's like 116 pages dedicated to a snake. So, it, I mean, that, yeah, that's very Tolkien-esque in, in terms of writing. But um, yeah, I just think that I, this is just, I mean, this is just terrible, terrible, terrible aging. Yeah, I think the, I, the Academy really screwed up, I think, in a lot of ways.
1: I have a theory for this particular award, which is that This is the Academy paying homage to somebody who's been in the industry a long time. Like Akiva Goldsman has written a ton of movies that you've heard of. Uh, Mm -hmm. I remember the client off the top of my head. That's the only one I can recall off the top of my head. But he's written a ton of movies. And up to this point, I mean, Peter Jackson was best known for Dead Alive, (laughs) uh, which... And the other two, I think, were like people that were basically in his camp
0: that helped yeah. him write some of his movies. Well, he wrote Cinderella Man, too, which is another that's another Ron Howard. Film oh, right. That, that, I, that I really love. But he was a, you know, he uh, uh, I mean, yeah, he's he's got some great he's got some great credits. He wrote uh, um, I mean, this is not a great example of, of cinematic acclaim, but he wrote uh, Batman and Robin.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he wrote Batman Forever as well.
0: Which, e- either way, neither of those are good movies. Yeah. Uh, did a lot of Star Trek work. I know that really kind of excites you, their trip. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you know, kind of, I may be moving a little fast, but the next one that they were nominated for did win Best Costume Design. How the hell does this movie not win Best Costume Design? That I do not understand.
0: Like, I the didn't costumes look, in this I didn't movie look are up incredible. The, let me look up the nominees. Um,
1: the, but- there's one scene in particular that comes to mind is like when those uh, what are they called the the like the super evil orcs orakai orakai yeah when they're like coming out of their gross womb things like the effects and the makeup on those guys is fantastic those guys terrified me when I was a kid and I was sixteen and they they also do something iconic which is like the white hand on their helmet it's yeah. like. If you've seen the movie, you remember that. Mm-hmm. It, like, you've seen the yeah. other movies. What do you remember from those other costumes? It's like, there's no way it was something as unique as, like, you have entire civilizations built. Like, we've got the elves. How yeah. They that, yeah. That was the it, next thing that I was going to get to. Yeah. You've got Go the ahead. dwarves. You've got the hobbits when they got, you know, hairy feet and they're all gross. And then you have the orcs and the wizards. It's like the amount of work that they had to put into that they all. Had- executed flawlessly it's hard to see how they lost yeah every lost to moulin rouge by the way so um okay that that kind of tracks i guess because moulin rouge had like over the top costumes but this had like each culture had their own style and then every character within that culture had their own version (laughs) of the style it was it, it was incredible uh costume design i think yeah, but it's, losing to Moulin Rouge, I guess, kind of makes sense because that's high fashion.
0: Yeah, it could have been. It could have been worse. Like, like the other nominees were Harry Potter and The Sorcerer's Stone, which not bad, not a bad choice. At, at Park. At least it didn't lose to A Beautiful Mind in this category. <laughs> oh God, please! Uh, another one, uh, oh. another movie I haven't heard of. The Affair of the Necklace was also never nominated. heard of that one. Yeah, but Moulin Rouge takes it. So, yeah, n- interesting, interesting, interesting takes. So. I think, you know, I could, I think it could have won for best sound too, you know, we talked about the score, but I think sound was Mm -hmm. also best editing. I think it kind of, if we really want to dive deep into nerddom and stuff, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it did not age well. The awards did not age well for this, especially on the losses, like as much. So it was really, really bad. Okay. All right. So kind of we've, we've talked a lot about characters. We've talked a lot about quotes and also the awards and how it stood up in history and everything like that. So, so let's kind of go into characters here. So um, um, I have some nominees for my favorite characters, my best, the best characters. Okay. And then we kind of spoiled something by saying like maybe Frodo may not be, but you know, he is the centerpiece of the film. Is Frodo the best character in this film?
1: If you found a single person out of a thousand people whose favorite character was Frodo, I don't know what should happen to that person, but not something good. <laughs> oh, I totally agree with you. It's definitely not Frodo. Like, he's not Fro- on my list. So I mean, Frodo uh... holds everybody else together, like he's the glue. But uh, he's a very bland character, at least, especially in the first movie. Like over the course, he gets better, but uh, in the first yeah. one, he's pretty lame.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, he almost dies like how many times, you know, and
1: six or seven, probably.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's pretty close to it. I mean, guy, I mean, got to hand it to him. that guy's the guy's tough as nails, right? I mean, he almost, you know, he gets stabbed by a cave troll, you know, I mean, he's got the mithril, which is protecting him. But still, I mean, that couldn't have felt pleasant. The,
1: that was actually another uh, another thing that I noticed from the extended edition. They say as they're going into uh, what's the area called again? Underground. Moria, the mines. Of Moria. Oh, the mines. Yeah. mines they of Moria. say that these are where they mine mithril. They didn't say that in the theatrical cut. The first time you really hear about mithril is when is about Frodo's armor.
0: Yeah, when Bilbo so hear hands him the like armor. Yeah. back. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Uh, good call. Which you know what the uh, the orcs that had you know destroyed the mines of Moria, you know, for them not to. Like, arm themselves with, uh, with meteor axes. Like, bad call on their part, man. I mean, that's just ego. Yeah. Like, <laughs> or, they're
1: stu- like, these very straight with like the angular point swords will do fine.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, and also, like, you were talking about the orakai too. Like, those, those swords that they carried, man, I mean, I mean, they were basically like, ba- you know, baseball bats with like, you know, dull yeah. blades on them. Like, you know there really wasn't much to him got it gotta gotta hand it to uh gotta hand it to like Aragorn who's like seen like every other so like every other scene like he's sharpening his blade right like yeah. the rock just it's no wonder it's no wonder how many he actually the enemy he actually kills and everything so um so here here here's my hot take on this i have this isn't my favorite character my favorite character but here's my hot take of fair character the ring.
1: Okay. I don't know how much character it has in
0: this movie, but it's definitely a character. Right. Does it get overlooked, though, as a character? The ring itself. Like, if we talk about Sauron, we talk about Saruman in terms of, like, the evil characters, right? And the, the head orakai do, which, you know, still haunts my nightmares every once in a while.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're kind of right, because, like, the, the ring... You don't really think about it but the ring is kind of a character that the way that it's tempting each of the characters to use it for their own good quote unquote even though they'll turn evil if they put it on Um, I hadn't thought about it as like a character I hadn't thought about that either but it's like especially in this first movie you see the ring tempting people yeah like the first time Bilbo he won't give it up and then he has like that meth addict scene in Rivendell. I love it. It was crazy for a second. Um, and then Boromir, obviously, um, Aragorn turns it down. He closes Frodo's hand around yeah. the ring. Um, and then Galadriel.
0: Yes. Also, right.
1: Um, with that mm-hmm. massive scene that when I first saw this movie, you know, when I was under 10 years of age, that was terrifying. I'd yeah. Yeah. speaking of that scene though that scene has not aged well
0: no No, that is the that is visuals
1: in that scene are terrible they're not good they're not good but it's like this movie especially you see the ring tempt people Mm -hmm. in like really obvious ways it's like later you see frodo battle the ring on more of a personal manner but it's not this tempting of other people
0: well, I think it's a great setup to the other films, right? Because like the like the in the two towers, and of course with the Return of the King, we see we see the Ring's power, how it's captured Frodo, and how it still possesses Gollum, right? Mm-hmm. In later films, and so but this is the tee up to that the the power of the Ring. You know, like if we just had if those scenes don't happen, like. Like, I think that we we get to two towers in Return of the King and we see the scenes where like it's a struggle for Frodo to give it up or we see mm-hmm. Gollum just going all batshit nuts over this thing. Like, it doesn't it doesn't compute like it doesn't it doesn't register with us. It's kind of like, really? Like, it's just a fucking ring. like Frodo's been carrying this around for like whatever. Everyone else has been, you know, so like they, it does a great tee up of that.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think it's important in setting up that even when you don't see it for the rest of the movies. Anybody who's within like 10 feet of him, all that's on their mind is give me that ring. Yeah, like and him, like, later on. Yeah, and Aragorn is the only one who fights it off the getup. But right. I, think, I think the implication is that in every movie, whoever he's having a conversation with is fighting that temptation because they know that they can't do that. Right. There's, there's a, a greater mission at hand. Yeah, and even like well I'm skipping all the way to the return of the king here. But like Sam is like, I can't carry the rain, so I'm gonna carry you and literally picks him up and carries yeah. him towards Mount Doom. Because he knows he can't take he he's not, I don't know, as pure of heart, I guess is the word for it. Or the term I mean, he's just like, I'm not even gonna gamble, I'm just gonna pick you up.
0: Yeah. See, I think that's where Sam sells himself short. I think Sam could have done it. Because the greater and, fool. Yeah, well, the, greater, the greater the greater fool, right? I mean, I know well, he's not a trip, but like, he's dumb enough to he's dumb enough to not to be like, oh yeah, I could do something with this thing.
1: Yeah, but it's also like when in Return of the King, when Frodo gets captured by the orcs after Shelob's lair, he he actually does take it, and then he gives mm-hmm. it back to Frodo. But it's not like this incredibly hard moment. Like, if it weren't for the scenes in this first movie, that would have meant nothing when he picks it up off of him and gives it back to him.
0: Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. So when I first saw this film in 2001 and Sean Bean was the character uh, Boromir, right? Um, all I could see when I watched him play Boromir was, oh, he's the fucking douchebag and Ronin, who, you know, like, you know, is basically, won't shut up. he won't shut up. And he like, you know, Plays the little boy to Robert De Niro's badass in that mm-hmm. film. Have you ever seen Ronan, Sam? I haven't,
1: but I will okay. tell you when I first saw Sean Bean in this movie, like it's like, oh, this guy's going to die,
0: no oh, you doubt about it? it. Oh, you called it? Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, no, I saw I saw the douchebag in Ronan, and I also saw the the you know the the betrayer in uh, Goldeneye, you know, with Pierce Brosnan. So. Uh, as as James Bond in the in the ninety seven uh, uh, James Bond film Night a Golden Eye, so it's so it, like him being like the bad guy I was like oh Ed, well this is this is appropriate you know because he's a you know he's a twit in one movie and he's a bad guy in the other so he's a traitor in the other it's like totally makes sense it lines up. Um, Sean Bean's one of these actors that has like has grown on me over twenty years, and this character in particular, mm-hmm. and. Looking at the like the scope of the three films, like my opinion my opinion's different on who my favorite character is. But looking at the fellowship of the ring, I think my favorite character um is is, is Boromir. Is that weird?
1: You know, I actually have a hard time disagreeing with you. You know, you know, Gandalf is this iconic character. Mm-hmm. And he always will be. But like Especially since I watched the first part of Two Towers today where it goes into a little bit of Bormir's backstory. It's like you get to see this hero who was reluctant to even leave Gondor to go to this meeting to talk about the ring. He didn't even want to go. And you see him, he can't even help but fight the temptation because the ring is so powerful. He's definitely, in my opinion, one of the more complex characters even in the whole series yeah i i think this movie shows that he uh he's not weak but he's he's very reluctant of anything and he second guesses himself i guess um which is why he's weak to the ring he's he's comfortable at home doing his thing there he doesn't want to go to the meeting he thinks you know somebody else can do that um and yeah i think i think he is one of the more complex characters
0: so um i i really i really think i really think like he he really is my favorite like i was thinking about this i have like you guys saw in the notes like i have aragorn written down too and like i mean it's it's really not it's really hard to not like vigo mortensen right it's it's just really difficult yeah um like the dude's just a badass and you know everything and like when i first saw this film like yeah my mind went there right like he's the oh he's he's my guy but like look looking back 20 years and and watch this film as many times as i have and everything i really i really like sean bean's character and portrayal of boromir like like if you if you if you look at it just like you know, from the IMDb one sentence overview of what he is like, he's the he's the guy who can't you know, he can't help, he can't help but fight it and he ends up sacrificing himself. It's so much more than that. He, yeah, he ends up sacrificing himself. He tells Aragorn, hey, you, you did what I could not do. He sacrifices himself for the two halflings, right? You know, Pippin and Mary. Uh, he fights to the death to try and save them and ultimately fails. I mean, this is just a crushing blow to him. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. and, but even, but like, if we look at his character arc too, like what, you know, uh, you know, he, you you know, Sam referenced the, you know, we get a little bit of his backstory in two towers, but you, when he goes on this journey, when he starts off on this journey, like he, he, he becomes like this big brother father-esque He's training these, you know, these hobbits to fight, and they have that scene on top of the mountain where they like all like they like tackle him to the ground and like they're wrestling with him, and you know he, he you you can tell at the end like he like not necessarily Frodo because Frodo represents the ring right, so he can't yeah. have that level of affection, but he has a level of affection for for Marion and Pippin, and it's you know. It, it, it it's pretty and even like after after moria right where like it was was it was it legolos who's like okay we got to go and he's like can you give them a second like like they just they just lost it, you know they just lost gandalf like can we just fucking chill for a minute like you know so i i think there's a lot more depth to to him than people like give him credit for and and i and i've 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 learned to appreciate his character a lot more over the the, the last twenty years. Agreed. Um, he
1: was going to be my. Oh, pick I totally him. agree. He's one of the characters. Go ahead. <laughs> Sam. He's one of those. He's one of those characters that you get to see him as who he is outside the context of the ring. Like he's basically adopted Marion Pippin, like as his own younger brothers, and then at at the beginning of Two Towers, he's he's telling his dad, send Faramir to go to the meeting. Don't send me. And he loves his brother so much even though his dad does not love his brother. And you get to see him as... You get to see his humanity before the ring corrupts him.
0: That shit's so brutal. That relationship, like Baramir, Faramir, and their father, the steward of Gondor, just I can't even remember his name. I just know he's the steward of Gondor. But like like, oh like that that dynamic is so it is so brutal. It's it's I think it's really important to to the arc of Boromir's story to later tell like yeah, he 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 was the right man. Like he was the uh-huh. right man to send, you know. And you know, his ultimate sacrifice, notwithstanding, I think got a lot got really overshadowed because all they you know when you see this for the first time like i did all you see is like yeah that douchebag tried to take the ring 5 seconds ago like fuck that guy mm-hmm. you know like yeah he should die like fuck him like but you know when you look at it as many times as we have over the last you know two decades like he he is has incredible depth and i think Sean Bean really does an incredible job with with the character um we're going to get to recasting here in a minute like that's the very next segment but, but. Um, I don't know, Trip. You said you agreed with me. He's your favorite. Boromir's your yeah,
1: favorite. It, as a kid, it was always Aragorn, but especially on this last watch, uh, Boromir, like just just the, the journey he has his reluctance at first, and his like his arc is I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it, but I'll do it anyway. And then we can't go in there, but if you're going in there, I guess I have to go with you, and then ultimately. Uh, he, you know, starts to form a bond with the people he's traveling with, especially Marion Pippin and, you know, enough that he sacrifices himself. And he he has. I mean, he has a better arc than some of the characters do in the whole series, but he definitely has the best arc in this movie.
0: Well, not to mention, but his love and affection for Aragorn. Right. So they're at yeah. the they're at the council meeting and he's like, well, fuck that guy. Gondor has no king like what does a ranger know about this shit like why are you even here it goes from that to yeah. you know with his last dying breath calling him brother like that's i mean yeah i mean his his arc is his his arc is incredible peter jackson did an incredible job with this in retrospect at the time like i said yeah he's a, it's a complete write off and i think from from the immaturity the naivete of like me just watching the film for pure entertainment for the first time yeah it's like yeah he got what he deserved Kind of, but if you look like 20 years later, I look back, I'm like, God man, what like you feel almost kind of sorry for him.
1: Yeah. Well, also it's it's a huge credit to Peter Jackson because in the books, Bormir doesn't die until the second book. Oh, the, really? The books end at different places. So right. the fact that he moved that forward and this was he gave Boromir his end and his redemption in the first book is kind of the finale. It's phenomenal. Like You couldn't have done that in a better way.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Awesome. Well, that's cool. I'm really surprised. I'm really surprised. I thought I was going to be weird. I thought I was going to be the one guy. I was like, yeah, Boromir is my favorite character. I, that's, I didn't really think anyone would agree with me. That's pretty awesome.
1: Oh, I, I do want to give shout out to Gimli, though. Gimli's
0: red. Yeah. Gim, Gimli. Gimli. I, I, I love that. I love that dude, and not just because of the beard, but it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty awesome. So, all right, um, so that brings up our next segment, which is one must go, okay, which is always brought to you by United Cigars, featuring giana Havana and distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garoflo, and the highly acclaimed Atabay and Byron lines. Smoke one today and start living United. Okay. this this is a little this is a little obvious, but I thought, you know, I thought I think I think it's an appropriate one must go considering the subject for tonight. We were talking about how the Academy got it wrong. We're celebrating 20 years of the Fellowship of the Ring, but we we've alluded to and brought up other uh, other films in this trilogy a couple of times. Right. Um, So here's the one must go, gentlemen. One must go. The whole the whole the whole series tells the story. But if you got to get rid of one, which one are you getting rid of? Fellowship of the Ring, the Two Towers, or Return of the King? Now, this not- is the
1: toughest one must go you've ever thrown at me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's What hard. were you going to say? No, I was just going to say it, it, it's, it, it's an obvious question to, to consider the subject, but, but it's, it's, not, it's not an easy answer. Not at all. And I'm going to participate too. I'm not putting you all on the spot here. So, Well,
1: so I'll get, I-, I mean, I'll, I'll be the first to answer. I'll, I'll bite the bullet. <laughs> I love all three of these movies. Um, obviously, the first one does so much storytelling in terms of The Fellowship. But I think Fellowship has to go. <laughs> I, I mean, The Two Towers and Return of the King are two of my favorite movies of all time. No question. And like there's some performances in Fellowship like we just talked about with Sean Bean, but I, th- I think it has to be Fellowship. I'm going to agree. Purely because you can have a good story without a good beginning, but you can't have a good story without a good middle or end. Okay. that That's my reasoning, but it is really hard because I think Fellowship is one of my favorite movies in the series. I think it might be my favorite. Okay, so Fellowship is your favorite? or I, I think it is. I, okay, so I so love the beginning of the story. It, it just, I don't know, something about it.
0: Okay, so which um, one has to go then?
1: Fellowship. Even though it's, it's my going. favorite, it has to oh, go. Oh my gosh,
0: okay, that's like funny.
1: You, I, I can't have this story without the end or the middle. I
0: can only have it without the beginning. Okay, so that's an interesting way of looking at it. Okay, great, okay. Um, so I'll be honest. My, my favorite of the three is the two towers. And I think one of the things in where, where Peter, this is, this is Peter Jackson's brilliance, right. Is, you know, up until about the early two thousands now, and this is where we start seeing a lot more series is right. You know, we see the Marvel universe mm-hmm. come to life and a lot of, a lot of sequels and trequels and quadruples and even prequels are coming into the the Hollywood IP as we know it. Right. And The. But prior to this, I mean, the common mantra, Sam, before you were born, again, not trying to be disparate, but before you were born, like the common, like it was a known quantity, like when films were made, like sequels just never as good as the original, period. Like the one, the one thing that kind of bucked the trend and even was a controversial take, at least when I was growing up, was The Godfather 2 being better than The Godfather, right? yeah like that was that's probably like the only thing like everything else, like sequels are just bad like even disney made almost kind of made a joke of it right like like the return of jafar with aladdin little yeah. mermaid two. like i mean they're just bad film, like straight to video like bad like didn't even release it in the theaters that's how bad i mean they did it on part it was almost intentional like we're gonna milk this thing. like this is just a money game we're just this is a money grab that's all we're doing here but sequels are just bad. Peter Jackson took sequels and I mean he made it like you said we we can't have we can't have the trilogy without the the middle and the end. You know. Uh so The Two Towers is my absolute favorite. I'll tell you why Return of the King has to go for me. <laughs> it's the 12 endings at the end. That part is <laughs> rough. Yeah. It's that's just- it's just crushing, guys. Like, I just I mean, I love the film and I love the series. And I say, but at the end, like I was just like, fuck, is it over yet? Like what? Is-
1: by the it- third one? You're like, can it just end now? Please. Yeah. end. I'm done. But- like, I don't need anything else.
0: Yeah. I'm like, OK, the ring's destroyed, right? Mission accomplished. All right. Like, I'm, I'm like Samwise at this point, I'm like, fuck it. We're done, right? Like they
1: could have ended it like this movie. Like he tosses the ring and like it's in midair and they just cut to black.
0: Yeah. Perfect. Done. I think it's a better film. I think it's a better film if it ends that way. But I I think Peter Jackson just had a hard time letting it go. And then he clearly had a a hard time letting go because he turned King Kong into like a five-hour biopic too. So, Uh,
1: (laughs) Well, I don't know if you guys have seen the Honest trailer, but they go into like five different endings of the Honest trailer for Lord of the Rings because of the five different endings in Return of the King. It's like, to me, Return of the King is an unbelievable film. And then the end of you're like, what's going on here? Why, why are they doing this? <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. uh, it's absolutely like I, I, I return of the King has to go for me. I love, you know, for, I think again, you know, tw- 20 years ago, when I finally saw the return of the King, I would probably have said, said, the fellowship, because I didn't to your point, Trip. I didn't like the way it ended like so abruptly. Right. Like, I just felt like it was an incompletion. Yeah. I mean, it got completed by these two films, but it was like it was just like, ugh, it just felt so it felt like this three hour saga that ended up being nothing. Right. It ended up. It 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 was like
1: one of those TV shows where uh, they release like two or three episodes and then the the last one ends with a cliffhanger and you have to wait a week. Only you had to wait a whole year.
0: Right. Right. It was just. But well, I mean, I mean, it got people to come back to. That was the crazy thing too. It's just like you—you you knew that you knew yeah. what, you knew what you were doing a year from then. Like you had it on your calendar.
1: Oh yeah. Um,
0: was...
1: But I—I you, I think you're right about the sequel angle. Um, I just wanted to make a comment about that. Uh, like you're the way that sequels were always like the second one is never as good as the first. I think the reason for that is that the second one is always bigger and better and. You know that's what it has to be in order to be a sequel, until this movie. Yeah. This series of movies completely changed the way sequels worked because then you could have a pitch that says, "We're not making one movie; we're making three movies. If the first one does okay, five years later we'll make the second one." But this is—they've already built a story, and right. for a hundred years, almost every movie was a encapsulated story that didn't need anything else this was a different type of movie um that hadn't really been done before other than star wars i guess but even star wars doesn't end on a a huge cliffhanger like it had star wars a new hope has an end like if that was the only movie it would still be a good movie
0: yeah absolutely i'm with it all right so um that was our as hard as that was, Trip, I mean, we were still able to answer it. That was pretty good.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I'm I know really that was sorry. brutal. I know it was brutal, for both of you. I appreciate it. So and that was our that was our one most go segment brought to you by United Cigars, featuring La Gian Havana, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed Atabay and Byron lines. Smoke one today and start living United. So, um, so this brings up the next segment, guys. So we're uh, this kind of debate and discuss. But I, I wanted to tackle the idea of recasting. So I'm going to leave it up to you guys. I'm going to let you vote. So I have actual considerations that people were actually like either auditioned or considered for other roles. We can discuss those, or we can do that first, or we can I can pivot, we can do who would you recast? So how do you, which order do you guys want to go in? Do you want to talk about actual considerations first, or do you want to talk about who you would recast and with whom? Either way works for me. Sam, yeah, you want know, to be a deciding vote on it?
1: I'll go for it. Let's go actual first because okay. I've never seen these before. i would never actually looked at who, neither, neither had I, who was considered or
0: who auditioned for this role. Okay. So let's talk about Aragorn first because I think he's <laughs> interesting. So Aragorn, so Viggo Mortensen is actually a, la- the, the role is going to Stuart Townsend, which is not in the notes. And I apologize. I ambushed you guys here. The role is going to Stuart Townsend. Stuart Townsend is going to be Aragorn. It's done. Signed sealed delivered. The contract is done. Everything. We're talking days before an initial filming starts. Uh, Peter Jackson calls an audible says, "You know what? I want to go older because again, tearing uh, tearing up the I forgot what what kind of superpower Aragorn has that where he doesn't age, but he wants to make him a little bit older." Um so he goes he he goes with Viggo Mortensen. Viggo Mortensen's kids actually talk him into it. So Viggo Mortensen becomes yeah. Aragorn. And it's the life-changing role that he has. And Viggo Mortensen had some pretty cool roles before this, you know. But nothing like this, right? Um, so, but here are, other than Stuart Townsend getting the job before Viggo Mortensen ultimately took it over, here's who was considered for Aragorn. Daniel Day Lewis. Okay. I could see that. Russell Crowe, who turned it down for a beautiful mind. Turned it down. Russell Crowe turns it down to do a beautiful mind. Um here's the one that's just gonna crush both of you guys. Nicholas Cage.
1: Oh God. No. Oh, that would have been terrible.
0: <laughs> Actually Absolutely considered. Not. Yes, actually considered for the role. Like, made it all the way to like him being, I think there was an offer she'd made, even maybe. Like, that's, that's bad.
1: That's yeah. bad. This movie would not have been the same with Nicholas Cage. It's to, for me, like, recasting is always hard to imagine because when somebody plays a character, it's not like just swapping their face and their voice, it's like their, their mannerisms change. Their, uh, you know the, the the the, kind of the the backstory that they play can change, right? So it's hard to just say who like how somebody would do in a role, but I cannot see
0: Nicolas Cage working. I don't like Russell Crowe. I wouldn't like him in it. I absolutely hate Nicolas Cage. That that would just be. Daniel Day Lewis doesn't upset me.
1: I can see him working.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: That's the thing. It's like. He's the one that we're saying like, yeah, I could see that working, but none of these guys are were like, man, that'd be a great fit. Yeah. It's just like two that are terrible. And then one that's like, okay, that might work.
0: So you know who auditions for the role and probably gets turned down flat, but, but who auditions for the role? Vin Diesel.
1: <sighs> Vin Diesel
0: which he peter jackson probably said if we'll let it. you know oh. like like we'll keep your application on file that's what peter jackson tells vin diesel right like we'll keep your application on yeah
1: file. like that would that would have ruined the movie
0: i think there's a place in lord of the rings for vin diesel i don't know where he goes it's not any one of the main characters hmm like major, major main characters. But like I think there's a pla I think there's a place for Vin Diesel somewhere in the Tolkien universe. Yeah, I think so. Maybe it's the Witch definitely- Maybe the Witch King, you
1: know? Yeah, like something like that could work for yeah. Vin Diesel. Or just like a or just an orc. <laughs> an orc general. What's his name in the third movie? Um I think it's like Gothmog or something. That could work. But Aragorn, absolutely not. Yeah, no, I'm just mi- no I'm just way. mixing Fast and Furious
0: and Lord of the Rings in my mind right now. Yeah, exactly. and it's not it's good. It. it was offered to Russell Crowe. He turns it down to do a Beautiful Mind.
1: So after after the first movie, he must have been like, "Damn, I made a great decision."
0: Right? Yeah, he, you know, because Beautiful Mind does so well.
1: And then two years later,
0: you're like, "Oh shit! What oh shit! Do do? Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> Well, you just know at some point during like fellowship, like he sneaks in the line, like what you do in life echoes in eternity, you know? (laughs) You just know it comes in somewhere. Which I hate to poke fun of, like it's one of my favorite lines. I love, I mean, I love Russell Crowe and I love the gladiators. We know, Uh, you know, Sam and I did that, did the pod back in, you know, early in the fall and everything. So it's great film. Yeah, but Russell Crowe's Aragorn, just bad, bad take, bad take. All right, so... (laughs) Let's go over to Frodo. We'll go ahead. What were you gonna say?
1: But just imagine Russell Crowe with Eric hair. Yeah, that's the thing that like is gonna keep me up at night. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: it, can't imagine Russell Crowe with anything longer than maybe like a you know, I mean he he doesn't have long hair in anything. I don't think. Didn't he have long hair in Master and Commander? Yeah, an opponent. Oh, he did. Yeah, good right. call. Yeah, yeah he looked. Oh, and yeah, and then in Les Miserable too, right? Same kind oh, of look, yeah. same look. Same look. So let's go over to Frodo. Dominic Monaghan, later, who actually gets cast as Mary, auditions for the role.
1: I do think he would have looked better with Frodo's hair than he does with his hair.
0: Yeah. It's not a bad take, right? No, that's not a bad one. It's not terrible. Yeah, I'd be able to live with that one. So the early favorite for this role for Frodo, Peter Jackson actually hand select this act, this young actor at the time to do this. The actor comes in, does the audition and bombs. And I can't remember I, like there's stories behind this either. He tried to do a British accent and just was terrible or didn't do a British accent, I don't know why Elijah Wood doesn't have a British accent. But something i mean he just bombed and that was jake gyllenhaal
1: Uh, elijah wood in the movie has like a vaguely british accent
0: yeah a little bit there's a little bit there but it's not like it's not like you know some obvious the other ones that are you know yeah natural i
1: I cannot even see jake gyllenhaal with an accent at all yeah no absolutely i I don't think he would have worked
0: He's done so no. many roles over the years, like over the past twenty years. Jake Gyllenhaal is one of one of the more one of the more accomplished actors in in, in Hollywood. Yeah, I, I still only see him as Donnie Darko, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, he was incredible in that film, but that's all I see at Jake Gyllenhaal is, is Donnie mm-hmm. Darko. I don't know, maybe I just weird, but yeah, that I just I didn't like that. I didn't like that, but apparently that was Peter Jackson's pick. He wanted Jake Gyllenhaal, and he just bombed the audition. Apparently, just bombed it.
1: I, I guess maybe he really liked Donnie Darko because Donnie Darko was like two years before this. I think so. It so. Would have been like when they were casting, Donnie Darko was going on. Yeah.
0: All right, so Gandalf up next, right? So you want to talk about a cavalcade of icons rolling in for this, right? Icons that I could not see playing him, but go ahead. So Sean Connery turns it down saying, I just don't get the role. Like, I don't get it. Like, I don't get it. <laughs> wow. Sean, Sean Connery turns it down. Patrick Stewart. Sam Neill, who actually played a wizard in the TV making of the Merlin, by the way, shortly after Jurassic Park. I got to say, I don't hate the Sam Neill pick. I definitely hate the. I mean, I'm a Sean Connery guy. I I definitely hate Sean Connery in this role.
1: Yeah, I just could not see him as Gandalf. I I totally agree. Sean Connery, icon. Fly, you fools! (laughs) (laughs) I I love Sean Connery, but that's a terrible. That's a terrible fit. Yeah,
0: Yeah, so Sean Connery tells Samwise Gamgee to like, you know, winners go home and fuck the prom queen. (laughs) You know, like I just. Patrick Stewart with hair weird.
1: Yeah. That's the part that I wouldn't be able to get behind this. Yeah. With Pat- like long gray hair just wouldn't work
0: for me. <laughs> no. It wouldn't
1: even look like Patrick Stewart.
0: Yeah. Just be like, who's that guy? He looks familiar. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate the Sam Neil pick though. I don't hate it. I don't know.
1: I, I feel like at the time he could have done it.
0: Yeah. He could have fit. But I think Ian McKellen, you know, is Gandalf. Like, yeah, just, just is.
1: 100%. You know, I so, just looked up Sam Neill because I was curious. like, man, who's Sam Neill? Now I see his face. Of course, I recognize yeah. him.
0: Yeah. Jurassic Park.
1: Yeah. yeah. But the first thing that comes up, New Zealand actor. Like this entire series was shot in New Zealand.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's hilarious.
0: Right. So, um, Orlando Bloom passes on Faramir to play Legolos. And uh, but who was also considered for Legolos, Ethan Hawke. We talked about him earlier. See
1: my my initial question is it's like he passed on a lesser role for a bigger Bit role. Big
0: part. <laughs>
1: it's like well Orlando yeah. no, Bloom definitely
0: made the yeah, he, he definitely did. Made the right path. Yeah, I, I just, I don't see, I can't see anyone else playing Orlando Bloom's character. Like, I can't see, like, Legolas is Orlando Bloom. Like, like, I have trouble seeing Orlando Bloom in other films. Me too. Like, it's just weird. I, I think
1: that, like, I, I feel like the, uh, yeah, I feel like he would have been weird as Faramir. I was going to comment on who else could have played, uh, Legolas, but I, I assume we'll get to that.
0: So we talked about my how the show is dedicated to my sister, who introduced me to these films, right? So, um, the so Orlando, uh, she loves Orlando Bloom, and she loves Legolas. She loves the character. That's probably if we asked her who her favorite was, it probably would have been Legolas. Uh, if I if I characterized my sister correctly, but one of the films in history, of film that like angers my sister more than anything else in the world, is Troy. Mm. not because of how good or bad the film is one could argue um but but, but orlando bloom's character is as paris and how he's just such a pansy yeah like oh you just, just, just a, hate the guy the just whole a movie. coward yeah just an absolute coward um, um um just unbelievable like just bad like i mean he Like Orlando Bloom did a really great job in the Pirates of the Caribbean series, right? Mm -hmm. But I just all I see when I watch him, all I'm when I'm watching those films as much as I really like it. And Johnny Depp carries those films. Yeah, exactly. What Jerry Johnny Depp carries those films. Like let's make mistake back. No mistake about it. But you know Bloom's character is obviously, um, you know, you know Will Turner is a you know obviously a prominent role in those films. And but it's still weird. I'm just like oh it's just Legolas, like.
1: Yeah, he he's one of the ones that like I I think part of it is that when they were casting elves like they chose people who had those features which Orlando Bloom does like you know smooth face kind of like pointy nose and you you have to look like an elf to play an elf. Right. And unfortunately for him he looks too much like an elf to play a human.
0: There's this uh this this like Ethan Hawke is too rugged. Like, like, I think yeah. you just, I think you just nailed it. Like there, he, he, like you almost have to be boyish to play. Lilo, yeah, exactly. I think. Um, but he still has this kind of this, this bad about him, which is it, which is mm-hmm. interesting. He, 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 I don't know. He does a great job with the role. I think it's just, just, just pretty fantastic about it. Um, so there's this joke about that. I've always made about Sean Bean about how he's just basically just like his job is just to die in films. You oh know? yeah. That's like, you know,
1: that's a well-known that, fact.
0: Yeah. That's just his job. So another character for me, for, for the longest time who had the same kind of trope, if you will, um, Liam Neeson. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like that was his job was to die. in films. like he was quite gone. Jimmy he dies. He dies twice in Batman begins. Right. You know, and like, I mean, he finally actually survives an entire film barely in Taken, so like, you know, like, like he just, Liam Neeson just dies. Like, that's his, that was my joke with him. Liam Neeson was actually, was actually considered for Boromir.
1: I could kind of see that working. That's like one of the ones that like, it wouldn't have killed the movie for me if they had changed between movies. Like, that's how I'm trying to to put these in context for my mind is like, if if we had seen one version and then it switched to a different actor, that's the only way I can imagine other people in this movie. Right. Yeah, it's but it's hard to recast. Voice. Yeah, it's hard to recast Sean Bean because he did such a phenomenal job in this role. Yeah, like all the praise we just gave him earlier. It's like there's other people that were like. I mean, Frodo's Frodo. I mean, he has, like, no memorable parts at all. But it's like Sean Bean is, you know, probably the least important person in the Fellowship. And the role he plays is unbelievable that you will never forget him.
0: Right. Absolutely. I don't hate it. Like, it's not one of those things, like, oh, God. It's not Nicolas Cage bad, right? Yeah, exactly.
2: Oh not, yeah, absolutely. It's not.
0: It's not Russell Crowe or Patrick Stewart bad. Patrick Stewart as Gandalf, right? Like just Patrick Stewart with facial hair or hair of any kind is just weird. Um. Uh-huh. So uh, Arwen, played by Liv Tyler, she's gonna come up in a seg- in a second here for me. Um, actually, just spoiler alert: when we talk about who we'd want to recast, I'd want to recast Arwen. Um. Liv Tyler in the role, just I don't know, but we'll get to that in a second. Hello, Helena bon- Bonham Carter considered. Don't like that one either.
1: Yeah, I, I love Helena Bonham Carter. I don't feel like she has those
0: elfish features. You know who was going to go to, but she had to turn it down for pregnancy reasons. And I love this. Uma Thurman.
1: She would have been awesome. I'm, I'm a little bummed that didn't end up happening.
0: Yeah. I I love that. Pick. She could have also swapped out for Kate Blanchett's uh, Gladriel too, by the way. I mm-hmm. would have been okay with that too.
2: Mhm.
0: Feelings on Liv Tyler Sam, what do you think?
1: You know, it it's definitely the obvious choice if you recast one of the characters. It's like the other ones yeah. we all kind of agree. It's like absolutely no question they picked the right person. But Liv Tyler's like, oh yeah, you could put someone else in this role.
0: So let's actually let's actually segue this into the who would we recast because there's another consideration that I would totally recast, even though I love the char- the person who played the character. So yeah, Arwen is probably the easiest one to recast, and I it's yeah. it's it's not it, look, it's Liv Tyler didn't do a terrible job, right? She's not bad, but she is. I don't she, know.
1: To me, she's flat. I would call it flat. Like she's just boring. Her well, portrayal yeah, of the and, character.
0: Yeah, it's and it's not like Frodo flat, right? Like Frodo has this. I mean Frodo's the vessel, right, in which the ring has to be yeah. transported. You know, like so you know, they're they're you know, Frodo doesn't you know, you know, Elijah Wood doesn't have to he doesn't have to have like these layers to him. Like we learned the backstory of so many characters, we don't learn the backstory about Frodo because you don't need to. It's not important.
1: Right, right. Frodo's kind of intended to be the blank character so that I I think so that the audience has someone to identify with in this like legion of badasses that's, you know, stewarding him around uh, Middle-earth. He's supposed to be the one that you identify with, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with that. He's just this average hobbit who kind of gets thrown into really unfortunate Mm -hmm. circumstances. Because Bilbo picked up a ring.
0: Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, um talking about like fine acting moments, just to get off subject for two seconds, like you know, when they're at the secret council meeting and Frodo pipes up and says, I'll I'll take the ring and you do you see Ian McKellen's face, g- Gandalf, just this this defeat. <laughs> he closes his eyes and he's like, fuck. I really didn't want this for this poor kid. It, and it shows to what we were talking about earlier about how like Ian McKell- like Gandalf doesn't give a shit about anybody except for Bilbo and Frodo. Yeah. And it's just like it, like the defeat on his face. That's that one of the best two seconds in this film, period. Where it's just like this, this crushing blow to his soul is right <laughs> there.
1: He's like, God damn it. I already put one hobbit through enough shit. And now I got to put another one through this hell.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Unbelievable. So yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I you know who also I like is for I'll go back to the subject though. Uh, you know who I also like is Arwen, Jennifer Connelly. Speaking of a beautiful mind, right? Mm-hmm. I could see her as it. If we want to like way. talk about dark haired, you know, actresses of the of the age, right? I think I think she brings more depth to the the, Ar- the Arwin role than Liv Tyler yeah i think so too yeah. well
1: i i also think that it's like without the r o n role in the movie like if the character is just not there is the movie drastically
0: different well nope. here, here's not a
1: here's
0: here's a take for you guys do you believe do you i mean there are there's some they go to great lengths to 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 convince you of this fact but do you believe the Aragorn Arwen love story. In terms of Vigo and live, do you believe it? Eh, I like, don't. Like I yeah. don't. Like I don't. know.
1: Yeah, I kind of agree with you, Bear. Yeah, so it's just like the more I think about it, it's like I don't think Aragorn really needed a love story. Like you put one in there, like they. They butcher it when they try to put a love story in The Hobbit. <laughs> they absolutely butcher it. This one, they didn't butcher it as bad. But it's like, Aragorn has enough depth of character that I don't think you needed this random love story in it that didn't has, really move the plot forward.
0: He has the plight of mankind on his shoulders. I mean, what the fuck else does he need? Exactly. <laughs> like-
1: yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's exactly it is that they gave him a love interest
0: to humanize him a little more. But you don't really need that. He has the plight of mankind. He has that like like it, it, it's it goes without saying that throughout the, these three story, these three films and through the story of it. Like man is just re- I mean, man is just the, the stepchild of Middle Earth. Like fucking nobody likes them. Like nobody has respect for them. They're just nothing but greedy, power-hungry assholes. And he represents that. Like, yeah, I mean, he's got that on his shoulders. Now he's got to save the fucking planet. You know? He himself knows the weakness that he has in his own heart. He knows he can't do it. He can't carry the ring. So he's got to prepare, you know, he's got to protect this halfling. And then he has to do, and then he, and then the gut-wrenching scene of like fold, like Sam described it earlier, folding his fingers over the ring frodo's hands over the ring Mm -hmm. and letting him go i mean god there's there's enough depth there to last a lifetime yeah and then like just just love story to an actress like it's just not it's just not believable like i don't believe that they're in love really yeah like and they go through so many painstaking moments throughout the three films to try and convince you like oh this is a this is a love story for the ages this is romeo and juliet on steroids and it's like just terrible it, I, I don't know. I don't like it at all. Like it, she's like the one of the most inconsequential characters in in my opinion. yeah.
1: To me, it's one of the biggest misses in the whole trilogy.
0: Yeah, I could see, but but again, and and this isn't my own like personal attraction towards like Jennifer Connelly over Liv Tyler, but I could see Jennifer Connelly or Uma Thurman being that, you know, being that that light at the end of the tunnel for him yeah i could see better chemistry i guess the chemistry just wasn't chemistry
1: that's the problem is that i feel like Liv tyler has no chemistry but i i kind of feel like she has no chemistry in any movie she's in like in romantic scenes like armageddon i feel like she had no chemistry with was it ben affleck that was her boyfriend i don't remember
0: in armageddon yeah oh yeah yeah that was all uh, like she just has no on-screen chemistry also terrible. You know, and I like that film a lot. Like Guilty Pleasure, right? Totally mm-hmm. Guilty Pleasure film. I love that film. And um I thought she nailed it though, it to Armageddon. I thought she nailed the the scene where I mean Bruce Willis fucking dials it up and he's incredible when he says goodbye to his daughter and then she's like there with her hand on the screen. Like that fucking shit's powerful. But like Yeah. Like but the she, love, but she has the no love story.
1: Chemistry with yeah,
0: the love story between her and Ben Affleck is just awful. Like the whole animal cracker scene, I could like go a lifetime oh, without God. ever seeing that again. That'd be great. Um so, so here's a funny one. This was actually considered, but Peter Jackson said that he was too famous and he would overshadow the film. So he, I love Hugo Weaving. I love him. Um, v for Vendetta, one of my favorite films of all time and he's fucking amazing in it um but hugo weaving plays elrod the king of the uh the elves right but he, he was actually the second choice um the first choice and peter jackson decided to go with hugo weaving because he thought this person was too famous and would take over the role david bowie
1: I, I kind of agree with him. Like David Bowie would have been super cool as I
0: fucking loved it though. I fucking it he would have been awesome.
1: But also, the entire theater would go, "That's fucking David Bowie in the middle of the movie."
0: You can't have that, right? I mean, but can you just see David <laughs> Bowie at the fucking like battlefront in the opening scene? Like, oh my god, that would be the best All right, thing. That would have been rad. That would have yeah. been badass. That would have been awesome.
1: Yeah, I kind of agree with Trip on this one. It it would have been completely badass, but Elrond would have become way too big of a character in people's minds because it was mm-hmm.
0: David Bowie. True story. So I think good call by Peter Jackson there, like good call. But like I think um, I think that would have been that would have been fun. That one would have been fun. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, I I
1: would give anything to see like if, if he had done some test screening or test auditions or like costume auditions with him.
0: I would kill to see that, but I know that's, that didn't happen. So. So it's funny you bring up test scenes. So this is a guy who was not mentioned. This is bears mind exploring something. (laughs) Interchange Mary Pippin or Samwise Gamgee with Jack Black.
1: Uh, it has to be Pippin if you're picking one. Yeah, P-
0: yeah, I, he could be
1: Pippin for sure. Yeah, he couldn't do Samwise. Samwise has too much emotion for Jack Black. No, he's too non-based. serious of a character.
0: A little bit too serious, yeah. But I, I he, he could have nailed that fucking trimming of the hedge thing. Like I ain't dropping mm, no mm. Eve, sir. Like
1: <laughs> I ain't dropping no Eve, sir.
0: I, he would. I think he would. I don't know. I that was just that's just my mind being like, hey, this would have been fun. Like it just seemed to be like either Mary or Pippin, I think.
1: Or just imagine Jack Black after like, Mary says, "Well, how many of the, the bread did you eat?"
0: Four. Four.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that would that that would have taken a small amount of comedy out of that scene, though, because part of the thing that's funny is that Mary ate so much and he's still like a
0: tiny, skinny Hobbit, right? Well when they when they first enter, you know, when they're on their journey and they run into them in that cornfield and they're like they're making off from with this farmer's like horde of like cabbages and carrots and I mean yeah. it's just geez, man. And they're like that that's what there's like that's always like on their mind and stuff. I'm like, you know, it's just it's just food in general. It's just oh, crazy. It's,
1: it's true. And it's just a little later. Can you imagine just Jack Black saying, Well, what about second breakfast?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like, I don't know. I think it would be fun. Like, I don't think, and I don't think it would have taken away from the film either. Like there's these, these comic actors that like would just be just like, you can't put some, like, you can't put Robin Williams anywhere in this film. Like he just, he just yeah. overtakes it. Right. He's just that dominant. Of, like there's, there's, there's this interesting thing about comedic actors in comedic roles in serious films where they just, they, 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 they dominate the screen. They just own it too much. And it, and it feels like it's trying to be a comedy. Yeah. It needs to be
1: dialed back a little bit. Like it is in this yeah. movie where like, there are parts of this movie that are hilarious. Right. But it's, it's never like too funny, but it keeps it from feeling too serious at the same time.
0: Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So speaking of funny, this is my, one of my favorite segments. And I, and I'm eager to hear yours. I, I mean, I have a couple, um, but uh but i think i mean this is i'm gonna let you guys go on this i think this is gonna be fun nitpicks so nitpicks of the film like what like what like 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 20 years later what has you like rolling your eyes what has you like questioning we've brought up a couple a little bit along the way and stuff but i'm really eager to hear this sam this you and i were texting a little bit about this sam i'm gonna let you lead it off with one so Sam, you got, you got the floor. I want to hear, I want to hear a couple of your biggest nitpicks. Go ahead and lead off with one right here.
1: All right. Well, the first one, you know, when they're, when the fellowship of the ring gathers in Rivendell, what on earth convinced the dwarves or the elves that it would be a great idea to take four hobbits on this journey. <laughs> right? Like I get the one is the ring bearer, but these other three are just dragging you down. Like if you're just viewing it from the beginning, Right. You're basically taking four children. I mean, the, the <laughs> fact that they weren't like, Mary and Pippin, go home. Doesn't yeah. make any sense. As much as I love those characters, it and doesn't have, make sense. They have iconic mo- moments in later movies. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah. like, why would you take them? Like, just, just for fun? It doesn't make any sense.
0: <laughs> yeah, they, have, they, serve, they serve absolutely no purpose. You know, you know, we talk about, I mean, obviously, Sam Weiss has to go. Right, he has to go because of his importance and role. And then it, it harkens back to uh, Gandalf's call of him, like you will, don't you lose him, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that part, that part when he comes up into the meeting still, like, and 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 Elrod almost chuckles, is like, well, yeah, apparently you can't leave him by your side because he he even, you know, he showed up to a secret meeting and you did too when you weren't even invited. So like it just. But yeah no yeah children basically children are accompanying and even like Billy Boyd's comment at the end of that right like I put, it's in the ad I put the ad that I created for the show right he's like he's like okay so where are we going <laughs> like the, he, Billy Boyd in this scene like he 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 uh he like he like he dials it up it's pretty awesome like he he's pretty incredible in this like little, little like 2 minute run in the 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 secret council meeting it's pretty awesome mm-hmm. I love Billy Boyd in this but yeah, yeah, huge, huge, huge gap in the film. Like, why are these kids on this on this journey? I'm with I'm with you, Sam, hundred percent. Trip, what about you? It
1: doesn't make any sense. One well, one of my early nitpicks in the movie that I don't remember disliking it at the time, but part of it is like the unnecessary, unnecessarily. unnecessary addition of this part and part of it is that the effect has aged so bad which is the part where they're smoking their pipes and Gandalf blows like the ring and then the little ship that goes through it like it's so pointless (laughs) and the effect has just aged terribly like the way that thing flies out of his mouth and then stops and forms and then just zooms forward doesn't make any sense like That one little thing bugs me. I don't know why, but again, these are nitpicks. So right,
0: yeah. So um, I forgot that it was Bilbo's 111th birthday. For some reason, I just thought it was his 100th birthday. I had had that posted in my head for like the longest time, and I've you know I've Mm -hmm. seen this film I don't know countless times. Easily, easily in the 30s, like the amount of times that I've actually seen this film, yeah, easily. And for somehow and I forgot there was. A, why are they celebrating his 111th birthday? I mean, I get that I think it's, it's like the, I, I assume it's just
1: because it's hilarious that like it's such an obscure number. Like, why would you pick that? That's what yeah. makes it funny. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And 111. Isn't he called yeah. the movie?
0: 111. Yeah. Um, and then his little speech about how he, he like he likes he doesn't know as many of people as he should, and then likes half of them is like that whole fractionary sorry it's like it's comical because like i'm 37 years old now i still can't follow it i'm like i still don't understand what you just said it's um i'm trying to remember what it is it's something
1: like i know half of you i know most of you have half as well as i should and i like most i like half of you i don't know i i lost more than you
0: deserve yeah more than something like that yeah yeah and they just like Uh,
1: pause like were we just insulted
0: yeah like (laughs) Well, as they said in the like introduction of the movie, they're not the brightest, you know. They're not the brightest bulbs in the shed, you know. Hobbits yeah. in general, right? Um, no, I, I. Oh man, I. Th- oh, gosh. All right, so here's here's mine. Um, all right, they need to get. They need to destroy this fucking ring, right? Like that needs to happen, like yesterday, right? That's the whole point of this mm-hmm. entire. Why the fuck are they walking everywhere?
1: Yeah, horses definitely exist. The Eagles trip. The Eagles Oh, and the Eagles. I forgot like, about those. Come on. Not, <laughs> let's fly this before. <laughs> Gandalf summons Eagles by with a moth. But no, we can't we can't do it for this. Like yeah. hey, that's not feasible.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean we I mean listen, listen, the Eagles can't go into Mordor because it's just like, you know, at least drop you off at the gate. I yeah, mean, exactly. Like, let's let's speed this up a little. I mean, this is I mean, at the very least, day. drop
1: them off at that mountain edge where the movie yeah. ends. Yeah. It's true.
0: It's true. I, I mean, Gandalf's got some magic. I mean, he can create some kind of parachute, right? I mean, they, the eagles don't even have to land. They can just jump off the eagle.
1: Mm-hmm. That's true.
0: Yeah. Why do they walk everywhere? Because <laughs> it's more the, boring. Even
1: in The Hobbit, like the beginning of The Hobbit, at least they have ponies. Like they ride off on ponies.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, because you think about it. I mean, also, listen. uh, uh, Speed notwithstanding, the fact that you walk everywhere, but then you have like some of the least athletic people going on this quest, right? I mean, like, I mean, speed of foot is not something you think of when you think of hobbits, or poor Gimli, right? Like, especially how like Two Towers opens up. It's like. You know, Aragorn and like Lagos are just like, I I feel like they're just like, I mean, they don't want to say it, but like Gimli's like holding them back, you know, like, like, you know, as far as like running is concerned. Like,
1: what's the quote? Like, us dwarves are wasted on cross country.
0: Yeah, we're natural sprinters. sprinters. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, On
1: that note as well, somebody like make the hobbits of shoes. Like, I know they got these rough and tumble feet, but wouldn't you want to be wearing shoes like walking through caves and stuff, even if you had like tough
0: feet? Well, the swamplands, so. and I mean, God, dude, they gangrene is happening. Yeah, exactly. Well, multiple times. You know, I'm pretty Any sure ma- ma- malaria has set in at some point to a couple of these guys. Like,
1: also, those feet would stink. Like halfway there, man, walking through swamps and just walking all day for months.
0: Well, they walk through farmland for like the first, you know, the first 20 minutes, you know, like, I mean, think about all that manure that they're stepping through. I mean, it just yuck. I mean, that that's I mean, that that stench probably like turns my stomach more than the thought of like the oracized breath, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I. Oh, absolutely um, true.
1: I I don't know about you guys, but I got three more nitpicks. Yeah, no, I've got right. to talk. I
0: got to like. I just. I mean, we could have spent a show on fucking nitpicks. And we. And the, here's the best part about this: we love the film. Like, yeah. obviously, like we love this film. We absolutely do. It's just, it's an incredible film. We love the three of us love it. That's why we're doing this show. Let's Sam. Like, look, go ahead. Lay on a couple more. I have one too. I think I have one like major one that I want to hit. But what's 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 your next one?
1: Well, the next one is: Do the elves just say "fuck it" when it gets hard? and leave it's just like yeah oh yeah sauron's back yeah we're out y'all got this yeah. um we're just gonna bounce like yeah, i know it's like, this, like this we're, leaving. Is we're
0: leaving 40. this world man like get arwen out of your head put your mind on the quest Aragorn. like fuck you we're mm-hmm. leaving yeah we're out Peace. yeah we have
1: an army you can totally use but you know we're just gonna bounce that's cool right we're <laughs> just gonna take off if that's cool with you guys
0: Cause I think it's fair to say like the elves are like the baddest beings on the good side. Right. Like, Oh, absolutely.
1: It's like, Oh, we fought this dude once. We're not doing it again.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to pull a nitpick from the Hobbit too. So like the Legolas has like this, like each film, he has like this one trick that he does. Right. And in the fellowship, it's, like, he hops on the head of the cave troll. Um, and you know, a couple of things, like, you know, like, that. that's, like, the badass move that he does. He does the little flip on, he does the little flip off the, um, onto the horse in two towers when they're getting attacked by those dog-like creatures. And then he also slides down the uh, the staircase on a shield and, like, takes out, like, four, you know, four orakai, you know. Like, he has like one little trick per like movie. Mm-hmm. And then in The Hobbit, like, it's like every five seconds. <laughs> it drives me nuts. It's and like, the, oh.
1: The goddamn crazy part is he's not even in the book.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I know. And the, yeah, they bring him back. It's like, oh, God, that's just stupid. So dumb. Yeah. One of my other Nit- like nitpicks. Yeah, go ahead. Is the, uh,
1: this, is a, this is more of a filmmaking nitpick the like sacrificing yourself and then T posing is so overdone that I was done with it when I was 17 and I saw this movie. Like <laughs> you don't have to do that every the, time. Like we get G- it. He the, sacrificed the G- himself. The the Jesus pose. Jesus, yeah. The Jesus pose. Like we all get it. He sacrificed himself just like Jesus. You don't need to do that
0: in every movie like platoon you know william defoe like, the, the, made it infamous and then like yeah for the next like 30 years it's like oh everyone that dies like neo in the matrix boromir just yeah everyone that dies in a sacrifice for the greater good it's like oh yep let's do the metaphor of the cross okay yep we get it yep he died for everybody else yeah you're like thank oh you. he died for them now i get oh, it now i get that it. that wouldn't you. have made any sense to me yeah i couldn't have i couldn't have possibly connected those dots had you not done the cross post. thank you so much or, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah.
1: you know. Perhaps my biggest one is, uh, you know, it's the one ring to rule them all, right? Does that shit just not affect the elves? Because Galadriel has a ring and she talks about it, and then it's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. She's got one of the rings. Yeah. It's like apparently the men, you're all screwed. No, don't talk about the dwarves, but she's chill with it, like. Yeah, she's got a ring but it's okay
0: yeah it's yeah it's all good she still has it it's all good so the dwarves the, you know the dwarves the, the moria gets taken out men turn into those wraiths right mm-hmm. no but she's she's all she's fine
1: yeah just totally fine it's not even mentioned besides the fact that she has one and it's just like what <laughs> <laughs> that just doesn't make sense <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: She's not getting ruled. Let's just put it that way. I mean, she's just kind of <laughs> living her best life in the, the woods there. Um,
1: well, before she just leaves.
0: Yeah. Before they just say, fuck it. I'm out. Yeah. I love that one. I love that take. Yeah. I was like, the going gets tough. You know what? It's okay. We're, 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 you know, we're done. We're good. Yeah. Mil- the
1: going gets tough, we get going.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, mill earth wouldn't be that bad with a scorched earth, you know? Sauron leading the, you know, being the dominant force in our existence. That's fine. We can live with that. We'll be off riding some ship to, you know, the metaphorical heaven or whatever. Bastards. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Okay, so, so the first half of the secret council meeting, like, fucking Gandalf has to wield the world's words of Sauron to get Boromir from stopping to touching this ring. They basically all but ignore him when he's talking about how fucking, you know, Mordor is, you know,
1: Mordor.
0: yeah, is awful. Like, you know, there's evil. There does not sleep. Like, no, nah, dude, we get it. Yeah. It's, it's a shitty place. We're going to send the fucking Hobbit. It's fine. You know, like they, he, they, they, cast him asunder. Like, and they spend the, like the entire, ha- you know, first half of this meeting, just, diminishing him making him feel like shit you know aragorn calls him out like dude you can't wield it nobody can like what the fuck is wrong with you right mm-hmm. why is it a good idea to let him come along he's the one that's shown the most weakness <laughs> why is he on the fellowship with the, why is he in the fellowship why did they let him you talked about the kids coming along sam why is boromir on there
1: you no, know, that's a great question. Apparently they were just taking volunteers because no one wanted to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, I, they would take anyone they could get, I guess. Because they're taking kids, they're taking this guy who doesn't even trust himself. But, but it's also like they don't listen to him the first half of the speech. He's the only guy that's fought Mordor in the past like 3,000 years. Yeah,
0: because yeah. the elves are fucking high, high, hiding in Rivendell. You know Aragorn's like shirking his responsibilities, you know, being like basically the teenager of the group, right?
1: Yep,
0: yeah, 100%. And <laughs> like that's the, the, rebe- just, like, the rebellious com- teenager,
1: it's completely like overlooked because, like, yeah, he's just run away from responsibility his
0: entire life, yeah. Oh, but he's the best, yeah. <laughs> um. So here's something that I, I, I watched, you know, because I was editing this, the, the ad, right? So I watched the scene several times over and over again, which made me fall in love with Boromir more and more. Um, so the secret council meeting, right? Nobody but the major characters, right? Nobody but the Fellowship and Elrod show any emotion. I mean, they don't even talk, do they? They don't. Nobody talks. No one like, no, one, there's no, there's. No one gets, like, crazy. Like,
1: they're they're like that guy in a meeting who's just on his phone the whole time.
0: Yeah. Like, they're like, well, why are these fucking guys here? Like, it should have just been the Fellowship Mm -hmm. and Elrod just saying, you guys got to do this.
1: (laughs) Well, it's like, especially the men that are there. It's like, who are they that they're that important? Like, Rohan has a king. He's not there. Gondor has right. no king, so he sent Boromir Right. And Aragorn's there. It's like, those are the only people that make sense to be there. Like, who the hell are these guys?
0: Yeah. What jerks are they, man? They didn't volunteer. They're like, oh, yeah. I guess he'll let the outspoken weak guy represent us. Like, <laughs> it says, I guess it says a lot about them. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, I, I mean, I have a couple of others. You, Sam, you said that was your biggest one. But, like, do you have any other, like, trip? do you have any more? I have one more. Okay. I got Which I got is, one more, too. But go it, ahead.
1: It's, this is a true nitpick, and I don't know whether it's something that uh, didn't carry over well to 4K or what, but Faramir's wig looks awful compared to everybody else. Like, everybody else has, like, they look like they haven't showered in months like you would look in these kinds of conditions and Faramir looks like he just finished using his head and shoulders and blow, <laughs> blow dried his hair That's why his and it just looks him. like <laughs> it just looks weird um, and it doesn't look that way in any of the other movies I don't think or, or I just don't remember it but like as soon as I saw him I was like what a bad wig like it looks like a wig that was sitting in his closet for a couple years <laughs> it's, it's a bad wig man
0: Sam, what about you? So, my other one
1: is the scene in Moria where Gandalf tells, I think it's Frodo, that Gollum has been following them for several days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So, one, how the hell did he follow them for several days when the entrance collapsed behind them? Two, how does he follow them after that when the bridge collapses and there's goblins in a Balrog everywhere? That doesn't make any sense. Like did he come from the other direction and then just somehow get past the bottomless pit of despair and all of these goblins? No problem. <laughs> I had never thought about that.
0: He can like climb on walls, though, right? Yeah, but yeah, he but gets still. he gets in and out of shit. Like, like, it, and for but here's the here's the nitpick that follows that he gets out of all this shit, right? He couldn't escape Mordor when they're torturing him. Yeah, like he couldn't get out of that jam. But yeah, he can get away from the god, the, the goddamn demon in the middle of Moria, right? That's okay. Yeah.
1: But, and then fo- follow them through an impassable doorway that they couldn't turn around.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did, did he hear the password? Did he overhear the password? <laughs> so he's able to get it. I don't or know. He got, pa-
1: he got past the Kraken monster thing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I have a nitpick about the Mines of Moria too, right? So they they escape from that little room, right? They defeat everybody in that room and they get out, and then like that awakens the belly of the beast of the like these all these other goblins and orcs and shit, and like they're all coming out of like and they're sur- completely surrounded. The uh, w- what's the what's the demon called again? Balrog. The Balrog. The Balrog. Okay, so the Balrog. Yeah, sorry. He he starts like starts coming. In. They all scatter, right? And the fucking fellowship just sits there, like, oh yeah. Everything's all good. Like,
1: yeah, Gandalf just thinks about it for a second.
0: Yeah, he thinks. So that's the nitpick, right? He thinks about it, and everyone's like looking, like, "What's this?" And he's like, and he like goes through this painstakingly long description, albeit just one sentence. But this painly of what about what the Balrog is like? That's a demon from the other world. He's like, run, <laughs> like, like, yes. like, dude, I would have run fifteen minutes ago. Like, they like, I would like, got the fuck out of there, like. Like, like as soon as I saw like some like hear this daunting like and then that light that flame and I hear that the breathing sounds of the Balrog I'm like I'm out. Yeah. yeah. If it's I'm,
1: if it's scaring away, I don't away, need to know what it
0: is. I'm making <laughs> like the elves and leaving. Like I, I'm out.
1: <laughs> if it's scaring away the horde of goblins this that is surrounding you, like all right, this is probably something we need to get the hell away from.
0: <laughs> right. Hundred <laughs> percent. Oh God. Yeah. That, that whole, that whole thing just bothers me, Uh, which is funny considering the, my answer to the final question of the evening. So, um, so final question, guys, favorite scene, fellowship of the ring. What is it?
1: This was perhaps the toughest question on the agenda. Because there's a lot of really iconic scenes. I mean, some of them have been made into memes now, like we talked about with Bormir. Mm -hmm. But to to me, it's like... And Second Breakfast. Absolutely. Like, the fight scenes are incredible. No doubt about it. They do a phenomenal job. But it's when... To me, it's when Aragorn closes Frodo's hand around the ring right before... Mm -hmm this climactic battle begins. It's like, that's him passing the test that he's feared because his bloodline has failed it. And like the ring is literally called a silver's Bane multiple times. It's like, that's his, that's his bloodline. And he, he steps up to the challenge and he, and he does it for the first time, probably in his life, because, you know, Mm -hmm. he's been running from becoming the King of Gondor his whole life. Mm -hmm. So to me, that is my favorite scene in the whole movie. Mine is, uh, I'm, I'm going to give a runner up to the, the big fight scene at the end. Cause that fight scene with Aragorn just laying waste to those orcs is so awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. But my favorite one is a very short scene where Pippin knocks that dwarf skeleton down the wall. Yes, and then like everything but the kitchen sink just keeps falling down, and it just goes on for way longer than it has to. And I oh, love it. Fool of a Took!
0: Next time, throw yourself in a ruinous of your stupidity. And everyone is oh, just and standing they all take there like, like watching. A, That's great. And
1: like the the one thing falls, and they hear nothing, and then they all take a deep breath, like "Oh, we're good."
0: Yeah, we're good. And then everything
1: else falls
0: the chain and then the bucket and yeah it's, it's great <laughs> great talk about comedic relief though it did, like sean bean's character you know baromir like when, they cl- when they're they closing up the door of that room and like he looks out the door and you almost get shot with the arrow and he's like they have a cave troll like it's still one of my mm-hmm. favorite lines still one of my favorite lines even though i didn't mention earlier they have a cave troll um and you still don't know what they mean until like that fucking monster just pops its way through the doorway it's like oh shit that's what a cave troll is got it Mm-hmm. Um leave it to always bad guys in films to like harness the evil of something and like that where they have like no they don't care about their own safety either like like the, the cave trolls just like you know killing probably just as many orcs as it is trying to kill the good guys Yeah
1: <laughs> Oh absolutely
0: well, I, I mean, that, so he kills Frodo essentially, right? Like that's like, that's his only enemy kill, right? He kills more fucking orcs than he does of the, yeah. the people he's supposed to. <laughs> Way more.
1: That's uh, true. It's hilarious. That, that reminds me of my, my, my runner-up scene. I almost forgot I wrote this down. It's the beginning before they get debris? It's like, it's just the four hobbits. are getting chased by all this Nazgul. What do they do right when they get debris? They get a beer.
0: They get a beer. Yeah. It's yeah. just
1: the most human thing. Yeah, and it's like, it's like, what is that? Oh, it's it a kite. Comes in pints. They have, they have pints. I'm getting, a pint. I'm getting one. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, you know, I, you know, I feel like I would need a beer
0: after that. Yeah. <sighs> oh man, uh, love it. Um, so, so my favorite scene is the secret council meeting. Right, that's that's my favorite. Uh, always will be. I think. Uh, just Boromir has just become my favorite character, and I just I love that scene. I like I like I was talking earlier about like Gandalf's soul being taken from him when Frodo says he'll take the ring, just unbelievable. Um, I love it, but but and from you know, Trip loves the last battle scene. You know where Aragorn's just taking out orokai left and right. I still love from the, from the entertainment perspective, I still love as many nitpicks as there are in it. Like I still love the, the minds of Moria battle scene.
1: Yeah. That whole sequence is awesome.
0: Yeah. Like fucking Samwise like taking a cast iron to some orc, to some orc's head and stuff like the Pippin and Mary, like going balls out, you know, Legolas is jumping on a cave troll, you know, Gimli's avenging his family. Like, I mean, it's got everything in a five minute stretch of just, you know, it's, it's all, I don't know. From an entertainment value, it's, 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 it's terrific. It's absolutely terrific. Mm
1: -hmm. Oh, absolutely. And even like in The Hobbit, they introduced Balin, who's like the dwarf with the all white hair. It's kind of like the grandpa of the group. Yeah. It's like that's his tomb. So it just, it like going back to that scene, it's even more meaningful. Yeah
0: oh i didn't yeah. know that yeah no good call sam good call good call no i i i love this film gentlemen i i and i i can't believe it's 20 years old i just can't believe it you know it i mean unbelievable. it
1: holds up so well that like watching it if if you had never heard of it and you lived in a bubble you, you some you could show it to somebody and tell them it came out in 2019 and they would believe you
0: yeah oh, easily absolutely easily there is a spoiler that we will not pro- we will not be doing the Hobbit on it on LS fumar takes just we won't be doing those films <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah if you asked me I would have said no I'm sorry
0: Bear. <laughs> <laughs> so um but on that note, I want to propose something. I say we come back next year, gentlemen, and we do two towers. Yes.
1: Oh, without yeah. hesitation.
0: So the three of us, two towers, and we'll do the 20 years of the two towers. And I'm excited about that one because that that's my favorite. That's my favorite of the three. So I'm, I'm yeah. totally excited. And I already have like half the segment already laid out, so I don't even have to do notes. <laughs> so <laughs> um Good stuff. Good times. Um, so this is, uh, so this is also something that we're, uh, going to continue on. So I, I, I started with, I started with doing this with the 30th anniversary field of dreams with Miguel Chaudel a couple of years ago. Um, and then I, I took, we took it on again, invited Sam and Justin Andrews, and we did gladiators 20th anniversary, uh, back in the fall. And Sam and I were talking offline and, uh, was talking about doing something again and I was like hey you know what was 20 years old and we were going through some films and I and I was like hey how do you feel about oceans 11 and you' you I sam, I don't want to take words out of your mouth but basically it's been a while since you revisited it and it's one of my favorite oceans 11 the remake the you know 2001 version George mm-hmm. Clooney Brad Pitts one of my favorite films and uh so sam revisited it And Sam and I, and we'll probably get a third guest we'll do, we'll be doing Oceans 11 later this year, celebrating 20 years of Oceans 11. So really good thing. So we're going to continue this series a couple times a year. I think it's a lot of fun. Nice little break from the cigar industry, but uh, we get to smoke cigars, hang out and and talk about some of the films from our, uh, from our, you know, our childhood and stuff like that and adulthood in some cases. So I'm excited about this. Did I speak for you too soon, Sam? Are you still down to do Ocean's Eleven?
1: Oh, I'm 100 percent down. I mean, I I think I think I texted you the picture when I was watching it. I was like, Man, I forgot how great this movie was. <laughs> it's it's awesome. just, just and oh, the cast in that movie. It's unbelievable.
0: Oh, it yeah, that movie
1: is. has a crazy cast.
0: Yeah, it's it's so it's it's so sad to me that they they basically put an end in it. Well, Bernie Mac passed away. Um, and so did Carl Reiner at this point too, but, um, but like, they're never, they're not going to bring it back. They're not going to bring back those guys, which stinks, um, to do another one. Cause I, I could have done an oceans 14, 15. I could have gone, I could have gone with that series. I loved, I loved, I loved, I love the cast and I love the stories and they're, it's great. So we'll be doing oceans 11 later this year. Uh, and we'll do the two towers next year. Uh, this same group, it'll be, uh, we'll, we'll try to make it, uh, we'll, maybe change up a couple things kind of keep kind of building on this thing, but I'm really enjoying this. This has been a lot of fun guys. Yeah. Thanks for having us.
1: Oh yeah. Thank you so much for having us on. It's been a ton of fun just to, even if we weren't even on air, just hanging out, talking about Lord of the Rings. I'm yeah.
0: In. Yeah. <laughs> Sam, Sam's line was like, I can do a Lord of the Rings all day. Cause we were talking about films and I was like, perfect. I know the perfect guy to bring on. <laughs> And I had another guy in mind, uh, but he's actually celebrating his uh, 23rd wedding anniversary tonight. Mr. Matt Ty of how about that cigar would have been what he would have, he would have brought some really cool. I think he would have really brought some good perspectives to this. So he's sorry. He's sorely missed, but uh, we'll give him the past. We'll give him the past celebrating his 23rd anniversary. Uh, tonight. Yeah. That's
1: a, that's a good enough reading reason to pass up. The show. Yeah,
0: for sure. So, well guys, we're going to, we're going to go ahead and wrap up tonight. I really do appreciate everyone's, uh, Likes, shares, and comments—really do appreciate that. Um, appreciate every, everyone uh, subscribing. Check out our Facebook page, the LS Fumar page, for a calendar of upcoming guests as well. Uh, we're two weeks away from the PCA trade show, so that's exciting. Um, we'll be we'll be there uh, representing LS Fumar Takes and working with the Cigar Coop team to bring back some of the best coverage of of the annual trade show that well is an annual because we didn't have one last year but we're excited to go back to vegas and and uh, dive into the industry uh we are going to be talking about the trade show next week uh ben lee uh, now of cigar Coop, who's part of the cigar Coop team and uh garrett robinson speaking of how about that cigar will be on my show next week we'll be talking about the upcoming trade show and what we expect there so be sure to check out our YouTube page as well. Also, our, you can hit the subscribe button. Uh, but if you are listening to this later, whether you uh, you know subscribe or you know, listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, or wherever you listen to podcasts, be sure you download, subscribe, and hit that review button as well. And if you are, you are a subscriber, please hit the unsubscribe button, but please don't forget to resubscribe. That really helps my numbers and allows me to keep continue to get great guests like the gentleman who joined me this evening. So for all of you out there, thanks for hanging out with us, man. We've celebrated the 20th anniversary of Lord of the Rings. This was our 174th take. Live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Euless, Texas. I'm your host, Barry Diplicy, as always. And guess what, everybody? We'll see you next time.